0: Everybody and welcome back to the Mark One Motorworks podcast, the show dedicated to talking about the Volkswagen Mark Ones. Now, my co-host Aaron is actually very unwell and is taking some time out to recover, but I'm sure he'll be back in the future episodes. But he's here in spirit, guys. He's here in spirit. Now, today's episode is going to be unlike any other episode we've done on the show. Normally, people come on, they tell their story of how they got into cars how they went and picked up their Volkswagen, their second Volkswagen, their dream Volkswagen. And today's episode is going to be more of a history lesson. My guest on today's show has been on already. He's been on episode 12. He came on with Billy and Bobby. If you missed that episode, make sure you go back into the show notes below and check that out before you listen to this episode. Now, like I said, today's episode, we're going to be talking about the history, in particular, the rabbit, the early Westie, the late Westie, the trucks, the hatchbacks. We're going to cover a fair amount. My guest on today's show is Mr. Clint McMillan. Enjoy the show. Um, I should say... To any new listeners, um, Clint has actually been on the podcast before in episode 12, which I'll leave a link in the the show notes below if you did want to check that out first. It's where um, I suppose it's where you told the majority of your story, Clint, isn't it, in episode 12, along with Billy. Um, So if you do want to check that out, the link will be in the show notes below. But yeah, like I said, I think today I would like to just discuss what's one thing at least – that people don't actually talk about when it comes to these rabbits and the rabbit pickups.
1: I don't, I think a lot of the people that are into these don't really know the proper history and how these cars kind of unfolded in the United States, Mm -hmm. Um, which is fine. You know, I I don't know the history on everything of everything I do. So I I understand that, but it's kind of neat. Uh, there's a lot of cars out there that kind of just seem impersonal to me and the rabbit isn't one of them, you know, they're very, very, you know, kind of personalized cars. They have character, if you will, every single one of them. And uh, yeah, I I think that's kind of due to me. My feelings are due to the fact that I know their history so well and uh, they really are pretty remarkable how they came to be and how they really lit off America in the small economical car market and uh the hot hatch craze if you will and uh i don't know it's just something i'll I'll always cherish I, i mean obviously of course i didn't grow up you know seeing the cars much because i am much younger than the cars are but you know just knowing now what happened then i mean it's pretty it's pretty fucking cool man
0: well, yeah, I'd love to unpack all of that and and sort of dive into what you know about these rabbits because you've actually come across a fair amount of rabbits and rabbit trucks over over being living in Florida and Massachusetts. Um, how many how many rabbits would you say that have passed through your hands in the last few uh, years? I
1: got my first rabbit in two thousand and I want to say. Six, Either fifteen or sixteen, I can't remember. Mm. But uh, I've I've had up over sixty rabbits now,
0: including pickups. Sixty rabbits. So this is what interests me is because, and the reason why I, I came to you and and asked if you want to do this sort of episode about rabbits and in the history is just because you would know if you come across that many rabbits in terms of ownership, you're going to see ones I'm sure with that are different from the others you're going to see things like defects or different models and and all different years the differences for me that's what, what I'm interested in today. today and I'm sure we can talk about other things that you want to discuss but uh the one that I I sort of kind of know already and it and I know that there's going to be people in in the audience that are like oh man what an easy question to start with but maybe there's something you can tell me that I didn't know about so for example we all know we should know by now the difference between an early Westie and a late Westie in terms of the exterior. But am I right in thinking there was a difference with interior? Like, was it quite a dramatic difference between? Oh, like, for, a... for sure. Uh, can, can we dive they, into the interior?
1: Yeah, there's actually really in the grand scheme of things there's actually not much similarities between an early and late Westie whatsoever, mm. other than the factory they were built in. Uh, right. They, they really didn't get the same. They never got really the same motors. They never got the same interiors or anything. Every, everything about them was absolutely different. Uh, you know, you, you could get an early Westie here as a, a diesel or a gas car you could get them fuel injected with the CIS fuel injection, or you could get them with a carburetor. You could actually get them carbureted in the United States up until 1983, which was the second to last year of the rabbit, which many people don't know, but that's besides the point. Uh, The interiors were the same color, but different shades. So in the early Westie, you could get, uh, you could get a tan interior. You could get a Robin's egg blue interior. You could get a lipstick, Red interior. You could get a black interior. Uh, mm. As for the the late Westies, you could get a dark blue, this weird gray color, this peanut butter color, and I think that's actually it. You couldn't get you couldn't get black. You couldn't get oh you could get a red, but it was a maroon red. It was a much deeper right. red. Uh, so the dashboards were completely different shapes. The Early Westie dash was very similar to the swallowtail dashes and the you know the German car dashes, uh, except they got colored. The speaker, the speaker in the early seventy four to seventy seven dashes was removable from the center of the dash. In seventy eight, it went to a perforation and the speaker sat underneath it. Uh, the early early dashes with swallowtails, they had removable defroster vents, and then from 78 to 70 uh, to 80 they they were built into the dash uh so you could get wood grain clusters silver clusters not so much in early westies as you could german cars uh you could get black clusters it all depended on trim level um the late Westie, the dash was the dash it was either that maroon color blue gray or red and like uh no what was it i think that was it really Wow. But either way, they were, they were a different shape. They were padded and squishy, and the clusters were entirely different. The wiring was entirely different. The seats were similar shapes, but different patterns, different materials. The headliners were a piece of cardboard with fabric kind of glued over it, it. It was more like a vinyl, usually. Some mm. of them had fabric, but uh, the early Westies actually were bowed. And had actual headliners, much like the the early German cars. The early westies usually came with a color matching headliner. So if you got a red mm. interior, it was a red headliner. Blue interior, blue headliner. Tams, tan, black. Black would come with black or white. I've seen both with them. Uh but it was it was cool. You know, the the early westie really is to me the pinnacle of the rabbit. The rabbit. Uh yeah. I know we got rabbits here that were German cars and I know that they are rabbits. They're American spec, blah, 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 whatever. But to me, that's not really a rabbit. It's a, it's a golf that came over and was badged. Uh, if that makes sense, they have a totally different feel, but the late, the late Westie, you know, back in the day when I got into this stuff, I didn't really care. A rabbit was a rabbit, man, even a cabbie. The cabbies were cool to me too. And then I got into my first early Westie and started driving that and fuck the rest. I, I, I turned into a little bit of a snob with the, the early Westie stuff. Now it's really kind of the only car I care of.
0: Well, I, uh, I can understand that completely because, and it's the same, a lot of people in America that I've spoken to have said, you know, oh, if I was to get my dream pickup or a, my dream rabbit, it would be a, an early Westie. Is is that because they're rarer? What is it about the early Westie for not just you, but, you know, collectively you guys in, in the US.
1: I can't even really answer that. To to be honest, the early westie cars are actually much worse cars than the, the late westies in the standpoint of time. Uh the paint on the early westies, it seems they all fall off way way easier than the late westies. The late Westie had uh more like not sound detonating but maybe undercoating. Uh um, right. Seam sealer, if you will. So they lasted longer. The wiring in the late westies, though it was kind of a weird setup, it always it always lasts better than the early westies. The everything about it was just so different. The late westies really did improve a lot. So if, if somebody if somebody were to say to me, you know, I want a rabbit that's original, then that I'm gonna drive every day. I want to drive it across the country. I really strongly wouldn't suggest an early westie because they are just god awful. Every single early westie I have that has seen the road time and time and time again. Even early German cars, because they use the same wiring. You know, it all ends up CE2 swapped with the wiring from a Mark III or a late Mark II, uh, mm-hmm. because the wiring in the the early Westies has just got awful. But to me, the the I, I meant early Westie. The but to me, the early Westie is such an appealing car. Not only how they look, but how they feel. The all of it. You you could look at an early Westie and say, yeah, that's that's from the seventies. That's a seventies rabbit. And you mm. could look at a late Westie and say, yeah, that's from the nineties. And it's it's not, but it's easily confusable as one. Uh, yeah, it's just it's more like the late Westie is a Chrysler product. And I, I'll try to touch into that more as we go. But they actually kind of were a Chrysler product. Um, it was this... I
0: I go on
1: what was it I I ended up making a list here of a few topics for us to go over and awesome. uh yeah so just some dumb shit that lives in my brain rent free <laughs> uh
0: well i think it's important to get it out there though because like you said there's, there's so many people that are driving these or working on these and they just have no idea of the 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 history and i i i've said this from the very beginning I like doing this podcast. I love uncovering all of the history and learning about where these came from, what they were like to have like, you know, in that era when they were brand new, what were people using them for? I I love it. all. I don't know why. It just fascinates me. I don't know where to begin. Like there's so many things. I'm like, these trucks and the cars interest me so much. Now um, I'm I'm also, also um, cautious of the, You know, I'm trying to think of the audience that are listening to this again, split 50 50. There's probably going to be people that are brand new to this um, or, you know, they've heard all this stuff before. That's fine. And hopefully you get something out of this. But I guess mainly we're doing this today for the people that are mm, not necessarily, you know, maybe uneducated with the history side of things. And I think it is so important just to touch on, you know, you know, just to put it out there so that the owners and enthusiasts can know a little bit more about where these these vehicles came from now we touched Absolutely. on early and late Westie. am i right in thinking as well that the in the in 79 the early westies were were built but did they hit the road in the 80 or, or did, were they out in 79 as well
1: well so it's Early well, I guess let's go I have a, a little list here in order. Um okay. of of how they were, uh and it kind of touches on topic of that towards the middle of the list. But long and short, you could have mm. in nineteen seventy nine a early Westie that you put on the road and were driving in seventy nine, but in seventy nine the only early Westie you could have was a gas motor. The diesel in 79 was still a German imported car. Uh, We did not produce a diesel car from the Westmoreland plant in the United States until 1980. Uh, So, yeah, no, you could you could get a rabbit in 79. There's actually photos like the first ever rabbit truck to come out of the Westmoreland plant was a white 1979 built truck. But the photo was taken in 1978. Oh, wow. So there, there's very, very confusing range of everything. It, it really stands true. Everybody, you, you know, you'll hear somebody say, oh, oh, Volkswagen was all over the place. They have half model years, this, that, whatever. It really is true. Volkswagen was absolutely all over the place. And mm. uh, if you don't mind, I'll give you the rundown of kind of how it went. Yeah,
0: um, if you have like things written down that would make sense. Oh yeah.
1: So the early Westie or anything like that is a really loose term. Uh you know, early Westie means early Westmoreland. Westmoreland is where they were built. Uh the early Westmoreland cars just means, you know, the the 1979-1980 and then the late Westmoreland cars were 81 through actually 85. Uh there was a Westmoreland front Mark II in 80 in 1985 that was produced there as well. Uh, but as for Mark Ones, which we're sticking to, 81 through 84 was late Westmoreland or late Westy. There was the ones with the corner lights and all that mm-hmm. jazz. Uh, but what people don't know is there's these cars called CKDs. It stands for complete knockdown. There was actually 200 produced early Westies at the Westmoreland facility between 77 and 78 that are technically early Westies. They are round front. They are all white. They all had black or red interior. They all had a three 8 thick or 10 millimeter thick red pinstripe right above the body line. They were almost all four-doors, I believe. They were all gas motors. What ended up happening was they started setting up the Westmoreland plant. And when they did, you know, the Westmoreland plant, it was so new. There was no, there was no floors in this building. It was still dirt. When they were building these cars, they were building on dirt. There was no factory floor.
0: Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they they would get these CKD kits, complete knockdown kits. What it was was pretty much like a fucking model car shipped over from uh Wolfsburg. Uh, not Wolfsburg. Where, where was it? I don't know. Either way, it was shipped over from Germany, and you'd get, like, a crate of all the parts needed to put together one car, and you'd get bodies that would be painted white and in the parking lot. So they would bring these CKDs in and run them down their line and assemble them with American VIN tags, which were an early Westie specific VIN. They were early Westie style interiors, but with German flair. It was really kind of a mutt between the two, but there are 200 complete knockdown cars that are technically early Westies that have made it into the wild from the American plant as an American rabbit, but with a round front to American spec. They're very, very odd. I think I can't verify, but I think that Billy and I had found one in a junkyard in Pennsylvania, not far from the facility really that it was produced at. Mm. We can't verify it, but it, it, it makes sense. Uh it was a four-door. It was white, but it had been repainted, so we don't know if there was a pinstripe on it. It had an oddball maroonish red interior in it, but it was not a champagne edition. It had round front, but it was a labeled 79 or 78 rather. So it it was a very, very odd car. Uh, you know, the champagne edition for the German cars were 77, 78, but they never came white with red interior. And this was a factory white car. So it's really kind of the only thing I can think of, but there's no way to verify it, unfortunately. So they did make those 200 CKDs pretty much to run down the line and show everybody on the factory floor, okay, this is how we're going to produce them before they had the equipment to stamp out their own metal and whatever. So they would actually hire people from the outside to carry body panels from the parking lot across the dirt floor and set them onto the factory line to run down the line because they had no equipment to carry all of this shit. Uh, you know, they couldn't set up big, big equipment on dirt floors, whatever it was, it was bizarre. Uh, the reason I know all of this is this guy I'm sure you haven't heard of yet but you do need to meet he is the the I, I don't even know how he is the god of this really uh, his name is Morgan we call him Captain Morgan he is an old timer he he started working for Volkswagen back in 76 or seven on the factory floor and he was the head if I, if I have this correct, I'm sh- I think I do, but he was the head of the paint department in Westmoreland from all of 77 up until 84 or 85 or something like that, which means that he literally, stamp- he literally stamped off on every single rabbit produced and painted from the night shift of the Westmoreland facility every year that the rabbit was built in America.
0: Well, do you want to know something? Absolutely. There's a guy called Mike Reed, who I'm sure you know. Okay. Yep. He got in touch last night and he's saying, hey, listen to the podcast. There's a guy I know that you should have on the show who used to work in the Westmoreland plant. His name is <laughs> So <laughs> that happened literally last night. And my stupid go. ass, I said, "Does he have Instagram?" And uh, yeah, he doesn't have. Instagram. He does, really. I think he does. What Morgan?
1: I know he's got. I know he's got a Facebook page, right? But well, e- either way,
0: yeah, either Captain way.
1: Morgan. He had spent a lot of time in the early years on Vortex writing crazy. It's like every Friday night he. would go on this thread that he started and upload Mm. a crazy story or whatever. I ended up hitting it off with Captain Morgan. Every year I go to Madness, we chat for a few hours and we go about our way. So he goes to Madness as well? Oh, he's got the craziest fucking rabbit you would ever
0: see, buddy. Oh, wow, because this Mike Reed sent me a bunch of photos. And I wasn't sure if this was Mike's car or Morgan's. It's like The crazy
1: white one with the shaved back windows and stuff
0: no he hasn't sent me any of those but I'm interested oh yeah yeah
1: I'll, I'll try to send you some after after the the podcast here but back on track here Captain Morgan ended up writing this vlog or blog if you will and mm. I absolutely studied it because it was how I, I'd learn all my stuff so Captain Morgan he, he did paint for a living for I don't th- I think it was for like a smaller mom-and- pop shop or something like that and uh, he ended up getting hired on by Volkswagen but had to go to Germany for his training. So they flew him out to Germany, I believe in 76 or 77. I can't remember which. Either or. Uh, They flew him out there, and they painted, or they, they taught him their process on how to put these cars together so that he could be the head of quality control for the nighttime shift of the Volkswagen Rabbit production. So one of the crazy things to me, if you look at an American Rabbit here, I don't know how they are there because obviously I haven't been there and studied their cars where you are. But if you look at the rabbits here, you see that the ones that are stock, like like Bobby's truck that has kind of survived. These cars are painted weird. They're covered in what we call like orange peel.
0: Right. Is that a familiar term with you? I this is really strange, actually, because yesterday I was talking to a friend here in the uk who's got a a uk caddy and he took his truck to a a professional painters in the original it was like a navy blue color and he was really pissed because when he got it back he said that it was peeling orange is that what you're talking about
1: well so orange peel here you know people call it orange peel people call it like fish eyes or whatever it's just like you know the little itty bitty craters you ever spray paint like a model car and then look at it after and it's like got blotchy, weird paint kind of It's it, it looks it literally looks like an orange peel. It's got those little like craters in it and shit. Right. So every single rabbit produced in, uh, in America, at least I don't know how the golfs are over there, but all the rabbits in America are very orange peeling from factory. And I, I always wondered why. And then you know, Morgan actually answered the questions for me. Uh, He went over there and he took pride in his paintwork. He went through. They said, "Okay, go paint this this chassis and we'll grade you on it. A, B or C, A being perfect, B being passable, C being completely fucked. Do it again. So he he said he put his heart and soul into it. It came out like glass. They flunked him for it. And he was like, what do you mean? This is literally perfect. This is better than the cars you guys produce. All the cars you guys produce have to be wet sanded and buffed because they're full of orange peel. And they said, "No, you have to understand that orange peel in Germany is a good thing." And he was like, "What do you mean it's a good thing? It's just it's flaws in the paintwork." They said, "No, if somebody sees that the car has orange peel, it shows that the paint is thick. It's very thick and very durable. It means that it'll last." So he literally got forced into painting poorly so that he could produce these cars that the way that like the way they wanted in Germany, it was bizarre. So he did his, he did his little training and came back to the States and he ended up as the head of quality control at night for, for Volkswagen, like I said, and there was many, many crazy stories that I don't necessarily, I don't want to spoil if you're going to have him on the podcast. I'm sure he'd be loving to do it. He's Uh, definitely
0: going to be on the podcast. You know, there's,
1: Oh yeah. So, so, Captain Morgan, he went about his business, and he did his, you know, trial and error with the CKD cars, whatever. And then, uh, of of all the cars they ever produced from the Westmoreland facility, only one of them ever got started and not finished. There was a like a second story. I I don't even remember exactly how it was, but there was a second story of this line. They ran the cars down a line, like start to finish. They'd have a chassis. They'd do the body panels. They'd spot weld them. It would get painted. It'd go through the oven. It'd go to interior. It whatever you know. It was a big assembly line like that. One Mm. of them, they stopped the line, tipped the car off the line onto its roof, destroyed it, and said, "You guys need to really do better." Dragged the car outside, balled it up, threw it away, and then they went about it. And they never ever had another a failed car like that again. So of All the rabbits, all the years, they never had another failure, which is kind of cool to think about. But it was kind of set up foolproof. Uh, You know, it was this production line that could be stopped at all at any time. You could take the rabbit off of the production line and send it back through. And you and I kind of touched upon that when we personally chatted with the different base models and stuff. Yes, Uh, that's right. So for everybody that's listening, like you think – a. Uh, When I think of an assembly line for cars, I think of back like way back Model A, Model T, Henry Ford type stuff because he was kind of the guy that, you know, I don't don't know, fundamentalized it all, kind of set it into motion. But at any time, these cars could be stopped, pulled off and sent back through. So if they if they said, you know, this car is supposed to be tarping blue and somebody painted it logo blue and it got sent down the line and then somebody noticed, hey, this is supposed to be tarping blue. They could pull it out bring it back, send it through paint again, paint it tarpon blue or whatever color they needed to and send it back down the line and it would be completed as the right car. There's actually a few instances with some Facebook groups that I've been on where somebody said, you know, I bought this car. My grandma bought this car brand new. It's been in our family our whole life, whatever. I'm restoring it. I started sanding it. It's the wrong color underneath. It's not (laughs) uncommon because they would do exactly that. They They would fucking pull the cars out, repaint them and send them back through. Uh that's was quite a pretty bizarre facility. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of oddball cars that came out of the Westmoreland facility over the years. You know, you and I are just like the guys that work there, you know? It it's just a job to them. It's not super strict. It's their job. So, what happens when you work the same job day in, day out, whatever, you get comfortable well you fuck around and mm. everybody does it. We all know how it is. So they actually had a few cars come out of there that were kind of like test dummies, oddballs, what jokes even, just jokesters. And they got produced. Uh in one of the articles that Captain Morgan wrote, it was December, it was a uh, you know, October thirtieth or thirty first or whatever, they right around Halloween, they actually on night shift produced eight halloween rabbits they were four doors they were fucking pumpkin orange which we never ever got as a color option on the year and they had black interiors and they were all carbureted with automatic transmissions there's one i think there's either one or two but definitely one photo remaining where there's one coming off the assembly line they parked them all in the parking lot as a joke you know ha ha. it's halloween we painted them orange whatever we can just run it back through the line and change everything, you know, because that's how their their production line worked. Mm. But when Captain Morgan came in, they all discussed and said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's sell them. So they sold them as they were for eight Halloween rabbits. And, you know, th- there's that's another crazy car that had never, ever been found again. Uh, who knows, you know, whatever happened to them. Oh, Wow,
0: uh, I'd love to see those photos.
1: I'll try to find it for you. It's I've got his his write up on Vortex saved in my phone, so I can thumb through it and find it all for you and send it over. I'll, I'll send you the whole link so you can, you know, read for yourself as well. Yeah, but, definitely.
0: Uh, and you know what I was there thinking, was... Clint, as well is like when um when this podcast goes out, I was thinking like I could put like a carousel of photos on Instagram. So if anybody wants to, you know, have a look at the exact photos and things that we're referencing today. They'll be on Instagram. You can thumb through and see the exact thing. And that'll be kind of cool to sort of see with when I put out the, um, yeah, the promo for the, uh, the episode, sorry, carry on.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great idea. So in the, in the UK and in Canada, actually, I do believe I could be wrong, but I do believe Canada's Volkswagen market was, Very confusing. They got both American cars and German cars, and I really don't know enough about it to confidently speak on it like I do the rest of this, so I'm going to kind of exclude the Canada stuff, but I know that the first GTI in America was in 1983. Uh, I believe the first GTI for you guys was in 1979. I'm not sure if I'm correct in that. I think I'm correct in that. I'm pretty sure... The 1979 GTI was the first year, and it was the big, crazy, revolutionary hot hatch over in the UK. But I could be wrong. I don't really know the European stuff all that well. But either way, in America, everybody knows the the first GTI as a 1983 late Westmoreland built, you know, little hot hatch GTI. You could get them in silver, red, black, or white, and mm-hmm. uh, blue or red interior, whatever. They were cool cars, absolutely. I'm not a big late westy guy, but they are a very, very cool car that's really climbing the ladders up in uh, in value here. But what people don't seem to realize that the GTI was kind of foretold in America in 1980. Uh, they built a GTI spec two-door black, what they called Blackjack Rabbit, which was really the first GTI in America. It had this gold graphic down the bottom of it, the like the, the lowest body trim. And it had these fancy like appliance wheels and it had a black and orange Recaro interior. And they only produced one. They produced it for, I think one of the German executives came over right around when they started releasing the Rabbits and they produced this for him to drive over here or something and then it got sold off after it was all said and done, Captain Morgan actually ended up finding the car years and years later in a junkyard, I believe in Virginia or Pennsylvania or something. Mm. And the car was unfortunately absolutely foobard. It was just, it was gone. So he has the Recaros out of it. Still. It was a one year, only one of one crazy, whatever Recaro they did for this car. So he actually, you know, he saw the car brand new and he actually ended up with the seat years and years and years later, which is, very cool. That does sound cool. And so,
0: uh, sorry, carry on. No, no, no. You, what were you going to say? Well, there's so much to unpack. There is, and I think um, I was going to uh, invite Bobby on as well because I, I was going to. He's probably he knows quite a lot of the history as well. He's got a lot of literate literature and and things like that. I was curious. Do you? Is that something that you're interested in as well? Like with all the memorabilia and. Or auto what is it he calls it automobilia or something do you have all right. the, um you know literature and documents and stuff at home or are you just like no I just learned this stuff and it just just sticks in my head like you say
1: uh I would say it's more I learn it and it sticks in my head uh mm-hmm. than anything but uh there's a lot of literature that I've sent Bobby there's a lot of literature that he sent me um Bobby's kind of got that niche in, in all in his own. uh I enjoy it, but I don't have the space for it. I don't have you know the the care for it like he does mm. uh, he really really takes proper care and pride in it and you know I totally get
0: it. There was something else that I was I was sort of thinking the other day when we were I was planning on doing this episode is that there was someone who contacted me on Instagram. I believe his Instagram name is Alan the Caddy. And okay. uh, what, what basically happened is he bought a caddy and he stripped it back. I can't remember if he was in Europe or UK, but he stripped back this caddy. And he said on the firewall, he found someone's name and the name was yeah. Alan. And I was going to ask, is was that like a, a normal thing on the assembly line? The last person to touch the rabbits or the caddies, whatever it was, where maybe it was in a different plant or, or or across all plantations, but did the last person write their name on the firewall or somewhere, like underneath? So I've everything? actually,
1: I've heard fable of that. Uh, as weird as that is, um, there was a couple anniversary rabbits that were produced here that. In Captain Morgan's writings, they talk about how they were signed somewhere or this and that. I have heard that. I've I've actually run into something slightly similar, uh, but not not exactly the same. Uh, I bought a 1998 Volkswagen Beetle TDI. It's one of the first year Beetle TDI's over in the states. It was just a parts car, and I tore it apart. And behind the dash, now believe me. Pulling the dashboard out of one of those is absolutely a miserable bitch of a job to do. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't do it for fun. Nobody in their right mind would have done it for fun. And this Beetle had fairly low miles. The heater core worked. It wasn't It wasn't brand new. So there was no reason that anybody would have ever pulled that dash. It was a 60,000-mile car or something like that. It was It was very low. I pulled the dash out of that car pulling the harness out, and it, it must have been... Just total. I, I don't know what happened. Must have been total coincidence. But this 1998 Beetle on the the firewall, the interior firewall up way up top. You couldn't reach it without the the only way you could get to it was with the dash out. It said, "I love you, Dad. I'll forever miss you." Signed, John.
0: Whoa. What the hell? Weird. He must have yeah.
1: he must have lost his dad, uh, right around then, and felt like he had to leave him a note or something, you know? So it's not unheard of to find crazy things written in there. Uh, There was a rabbit that I did floors on and, and uh, it was a bone stock car. It was the, it was that kid, the track side, he, uh, Tim Brant. Uh, I think he's been mentioned here or whatever. He's got a very, very cool rabbit truck. I did floors in it and those things are filled with carpet glue. You can't hardly get it off if you want to. So it's not like somebody reapplied it. I I pulled it out of his truck in nineteen eighty one rabbit, a a fucking razor blade just stuffed in the interior glue. Really? That had been put there by somebody at the factory. You know, they must have must have dropped it, glued right over it, and fucking sent her down the road.
0: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's
1: not it's not unheard of to find uh like there was I think there was a thread It was a Mark II, but there was a thread forever ago I had seen where somebody found one of the factory workers' spoons from lunch buried (laughs) in seam sealer in the engine bay or something like that, and ended up finding the guy online who lost the fucking spoon in the engine bay. Really? And and was like, yeah, no, I did that. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. So
1: it was very, very loose. It was a, a very loose ship over there. You know, they they didn't really give a fuck as long as it went
0: out the door running and driving. Mm. Now, back in when the um when these rabbits and and rabbit trucks were being made in the, in the U.S., um, and I think Bobby touched on this before, but was Westmoreland the only plant to to create these these vehicles, or was other plants? Because I think. I don't know maybe I'm getting things wrong but I swear Bobby said that, that Volkswagen bought a plant but never actually went ahead with it. God, I Got it remember now. Is that no, right? You
1: are you are correct. There was a I can't I can't remember where it was. I almost want to say it was somewhere in Michigan or something like that. I really or Was can't it remember. Detroit? That's, I
0: think it was De- Detroit. It might have
1: been in Detroit, right? Uh that that's some knowledge that Bobby would know. I, Mm. I don't know that personally, but I do know that they had bought another facility to try to transfer over from the Westmoreland facility and ended up cutting it off and selling the facility and and not not doing anything with it. So as for the Mark ones and the first year Mark two, the only facility in the United States that produced them was the Westmoreland, Pennsylvania plant.
0: Mm. So I imagine there's in a, around Pennsylvania, and even today, I'm sure there's just tons of owners around that area, as opposed to oh, the whole of the. It's
1: insane, Dan. It is insane. The a, anywhere you go in Pennsylvania, you can find a fucking rabbit.
0: That's amazing. Like, it is. I'm it really is. Trying to, I'm trying to do my homework here in the UK and find out <laughs> where the plants were in the UK, if there were any or whether they were just shipped over straight from Germany. I I don't know. This is something that I want to I want to dive into, you know, one day. It's like to find right. out maybe if it's still there. I'd love to go there, you know what I mean, and just actually explore a bit. But um well, I'll
1: I'll tell you what. When you come out from madness, we can take a little road trip to the Westmoreland facility. Is uh, it still there? It is still there. It does not produce cars anymore. It produces Sony televisions. Oh, right. So the building
0: is still there. The building is still there. The building is relatively unchanged. Wow. I'd be interested in that. I really would. And I, I also want to know, when did Volkswagen, what what happened? What Back when, I don't know when it, they closed down or stopped producing the, in Vol, you know, I, when they stopped producing Volkswagens. Do you know what happened? When it happened? Roughly. Uh, I know that they bought the facility. They bought the
1: facility from, I want to say Dodge or some maybe Chrysler. I can't remember. They bought the facility as a facility that was already producing cars, a little bit on a smaller scale. Mm. They ended up expanding the facility, hence why it had no floors in it and stuff for a while. And they ended up building cars in that facility for Volkswagen between 77, the complete knockdown cars, if you consider them building those, And then Mm. all the way up until 86. After 86, the building kind of turned vacant. Uh, There was... I think they used it as storage or something like that. And then in the late 80s, 88 or 89 or something like that, they ended up selling the building to to Sony. Now, I want to say that I'm correct in the fact that they got the facility from Chrysler. I could be wrong, but I do know that Chrysler came to Volkswagen and said, we need help, you need help, let's partner up. Mm -hmm. So we had these cars here called Dodge Omnis and Plymouth Horizons, both of which had, early on, come with Volkswagen 1.7 and I believe 1.8 gas motors in them. You could open the hood on your Dodge and you could look at it and it had a Volkswagen stamp right on the motor. It was literally a Caddy or Volkswagen Rabbit 1.7 or 1.8 gas motor Uh, yes in trade in trade for them getting these motors from us everybody was pissing and moaning because the early westy wiring was garbage like i had mentioned and all of our fuse blocks poplin touched on this in his episode all of our fuse blocks and wiring were built by chrysler for our rabbits so it was like a you scratch my back, I scratch yours. We're both building shit. Let's try to be a little bit better type situation.
0: Mm, okay. It was very, very weird. I think, but... yeah, I think it. Bobby actually touched on it. Uh, like I said, it was something about a handkerchief, I believe. They, he found a right. handkerchief and it sent him down this you know, rabbit hole trying to figure out where it came from. And I'm pretty sure he stumbled across this, this whole story where they were going to build this plant in Detroit. And because I think they were trying to partner up with another, uh, you know, car manufacturer at the time, I'll have to listen back to episode three and and go back and really listen to that, that what he was saying. Um, And if Bobby is listening to this now, he's probably just screaming at his phone. But uh, (laughs) around 85, 86, you say Volkswagen sort of shut down production in Westmoreland. Right. I do believe it was like 88 or 89 or something like that that they
1: ended up stopping. You know the facility entirely and sold it out to Sony. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe the last production car to roll out of there was in '85 or early '86 or something like that. It would have been a Mark II, Golf. They never produced a Jetta there, but the early Westmoreland Golf's were produced there in '85. Uh, they've kind of got a similar single square constructed headlight like a early Westy Rabbit does. There, mm-hmm. I know all the Mark two kids over in the Europe fucking go crazy over them. But uh they're actually even pretty hard to find here now. But uh yeah, it it was a very, very short lived but big impacting plant, uh, which I think is is very cool. Uh
0: definitely.
1: So it, it it wouldn't have happened without Captain Morgan.
0: Mm, yeah, that's one thing for sure. And I can't wait to to dive into that when he comes on the show. Um it'll he just be a best. while from now because obviously we've got so many guests booked in. It's ridiculous at the moment. This podcast is taking off. I didn't even expect. I thought it would just be like one episode per week. Now I think this week I've recorded five or six, and it's just like, oh man! And I'm working a full time job. It's just, I just want to make that switch. Someone, please sponsor the podcast so I can do this for a living. That'll be amazing. Right (laughs) now. What about the uh, something that we touched on before it's the different models like the LX, the L is it the, I'm getting this right the C um, right I So don't know if you've written this stuff down whether that falls in your little timeline of things
1: yeah we can cover that whenever we can do that right now. Uh, so we got I guess really four or so different models. Uh, And each model you could kind of like squeeze in and get your own little options on. There was a lot of aftermarket dealer add-on stuff, which kind of confuses the history everybody knows. But you could get a Rabbit, just a Rabbit, which would have been the base model. So some people think that the the Rabbit C is kind of the base model, and it's not. You could actually quite literally get a Rabbit, and the Rabbit designation on the badge of the back of the car said nothing. Other than rabbit, usually they were there was no accessory trim on the outside. They only had one left-hand driver's side mirror. They had a lot of them. Came with carburetors. They were almost all four speeds, and they were almost all bland colors like white or logo blue or tan or whatever. So you could get a true base model. It would have. I think some of them even came with no fucking radio, not even just an AM, just no radio, Mm. Uh, no, no knee bars, no tachometers, no clocks, no wood grain cluster, basic, basic, basic. Some of them didn't even come with cigarette lighters. Then you could move up to the C, which I believe just stood for custom custom models would come. I've seen, I've seen some very conflicting ones, customs with sunroofs. I don't know if they were accidentally rebadged or something like that, or, whatever, but usually the C models would still come with no knee bar. You could get them with a wood grain cluster, which would have had a tack in it. Uh, You could get them fuel injected with CIS. You could get them carbureted with this early piece of shit Solex carb or something like that. Uh, You could get a diesel C in 1980. uh, And then it moved up to the L. L. L was a an oddball model. Uh, you know, I've got two Rabbit L's here. They're both factory diesel cars. L would have been like your luxury model, kind of. But one of them came with a factory accessory roof rack, that silver car I have. It's got a knee bar. It's got the wood grain cluster with a clock in it. It's got the cigarette lighter. It's got all the works. It's got an adjustable passenger side mirror, adjustable driver's side mirror. It's got the deluxe... Early Westy grill, it's got all the chrome trim on the side. It came with chrome arches. It came with chrome hubcaps, full 13-inch hubcaps, not just the little 6-inch centers. It came with everything, but it came with no sunroof and no air conditioning. I think what happened was, like we had chatted personally before, (laughs) it was a a fucked-up C model that got rebadged as an L model so that they could just smack the bigger door card extender things on the, the doors and cover it up with the big headliner and whatever. It, there must have been interior paint problems. There's a lot of that that Captain Morgan touches on, and uh, I, I don't want to put any words in his mouth or make him reiterate something that I said when he's the one that lived it, but there was a lot of oddballs that went through the line that should have been C cars and ended up L cars. I've got both of them here with you know, all the bells and whistles with no air conditioning and no sunroof. But most of them did. That white trashed two-door rabbit I was working on in the garage today, that is also a Rabbit L diesel car. It's a two-door, not a four-door like the others. Has the knee bar, has the wood grain, has all the bells and whistle. Still has no air conditioning, but it does have a sunroof. So it was kind of all over the place. The LX, the LX was a rabbit truck thing. We never got an LX on a car. The Rabbit Truck LX came with cool side trim. Usually, you could get an LX with air conditioning. You could get an L with air conditioning. Uh, all the LXs came with knee bars and stuff like that. It was pretty much just the L version of a truck, but it was mm. labeled as an LX. They have those little badges on the back of the bed that say LX on them. You know, they're, mm. they're cool. Like uh, Justin Torres' truck is an LX.
0: That's right. Yeah. So,
1: we actually got another model in 1980 that a lot of people don't really know about. I think I've only seen four, five, or six of them, but they are Rabbit LS. So, the LS was kind of like the fucking cat's ass of Rabbits <laughs> in 1980. Yeah. It got deluxe seats with velour instead of vinyl. You could get it's like this crazy marbled velour color. They had full length armrest like door pulls in the interior, like a late rabbit, like a late Westie did. You know they had the right. three points of attachment. Yes, they kind of looked like a hockey stick. They yeah, came I with know. those. It was the first year they were introduced with those. Uh The LS came with a fully carpeted trunk to match the interior. Most of our L's and L like our L model rabbits here. They would come with you know, a floor carpet, maybe that matched, but most of the time it was just a vinyl mat and that was it. You got a cargo, like a cargo cover for your trunk space and that was color matched to whatever your seat was and that was it. The LX, I mean the LS, the LS had a full plush carpet in the trunk on the strut towers. Everything was color matched inside. They are really, really pretty cars. Uh, Now, most of the LSs I've seen, We're all diesels. And I don't know if that's because the CIS shit out pretty easy and those cars all got scrapped early on, but I I almost would believe it if somebody told me that all the LSs were diesels. Uh, Every LS I've seen has had a sunroof, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but this past weekend I was at my buddy Chris Dozier's house helping him put a motor in his car. He's got a silver four-door 80 diesel LS with the crushed crazy Velours, I had a tan 80 diesel two-door that was an LS that we swapped. It had an ABA swap in and whatever. So all all the oddball LSs I've all seen, they were all diesel cars. And I'm not sure if there was a, a designation that you could only get a diesel as an LS. I, I would almost doubt it, but the proof is in the
0: pudding. All the ones I've seen were diesel. Mm. And were, were these, forgive me for asking this, but I need to know, like, obviously officially, but when we're talking about these different, the LS, the LX, the L, the C, um, are we talking just the early Westies or did that carry on through to the uh, later, the um, later Westies, so the 81, the 82, 83, et cetera, or was it so- just early Westies stuff?
1: It, it wasn't, it wasn't just, uh, in the late Westie, you could get a rabbit C, you could get a rabbit L, you could get a rabbit LS, you could get a rabbit truck LX, the rabbit LS and the late Westie really the only difference. The seats had a different fabric, but it wasn't crushed velour and they had crank windows with these weird Chrome crank handles with colored inserts to match. They were not like the stock crank handles you'd get in a rabbit L or C for an early or late Westie. They were one of their own. They had uh they almost all had chrome arch trim on the exterior arches of the of the cars. And that was really about it. The it it was like they kind of continued the designations into late westies but didn't really put their heart into it as much as they did Mm. the early westies the early westies they kind of personalized they kind of like pimped them out you know but the late westie was kind of just blah it was nothing special right
0: (laughs) i'm just wondering and this might be an obvious answer but i'm sure depending on what model if you were to get these brand new off the showroom floor i'm imagining that the ls would have been the most expensive model to get um did they all come out around the same time was it like a thing where you could choose while whilst you're in the uh, on the showroom floor
1: yeah you could uh you could order your own you know package trim whatever you wanted uh like the car that I the silver car I want to give you the front end from it uh it has like a, a factory optioned roof rack that you would find probably on an LS and this car is just an L uh so you you could really Kind of personalize whatever you wanted.
0: Mm. This is really interesting. Let's, so you've got—is it the silver, the silver eighty that you've got, and you've also got a mountain green rabbit there as well? And you said that both right. of them are sort of like question marks in a way. Where are they both L models? They are both L models. Uh, mm. The green car is not
1: mine. It's my friend Ian's. Right. Uh, both are both are L models. Both have. You know, deluxe seats. We had a base model seat and a deluxe seat. The deluxe seat had a an adjustable headrest, whereas the L, like the early, the early Tombstone seats, they call them, had a fixed headrest. Um, so his car has both cars have the the adjustable headrests. Both cars have knee bars. Both cars have wood grain clusters. Both cars have AM/FM radios. Both cars have you know all the bells and whistles, but neither of them came with air conditioning, and neither of them came with sunroofs, which is very, very weird to me.
0: But so you know, normal the L model of the pudding, you would you can find them. In a sorry, in a normal L model, you would have a sunroof. Usually, yeah. How strange! So basically, very weird. Would, You would you would get these cars and or or trucks that were you know, sold as an L model or an LX model or whatever. And then sometimes you might find these little oddities where, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Why is it missing this part? And I guess, you know, it's just down to like, I think we mentioned earlier, it's like when the people were in the plant, you're working there all day long all year round, you're going to just miss things. Is that, would you, is right. that fair to say? Right. Absolutely.
1: Another oddball. Uh, my friend, Nick, Him and his girlfriend have this tan car. My friend Nick owns that blue early Westy rabbit truck that you asked the other day, where did this end up? Uh, He owns a few rabbits. His girlfriend does as well. They've got a tan 1980. I believe it is an L. I'm pretty certain it is an L. It is also a non sunroof, non AC car, just like this silver one, just like this mountain green one, but it has the interior carpet in the trunk space like I just talked about, from an LS. All oh, right, but it's not an LS, and it's been there forever.
0: Felt bad about messing up the summary. and they thought, let's just put the carpet in and give them a bit of best of both worlds. I don't know. It's 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 very strange. I don't
1: think they thought that far into it. I think <laughs> they just probably found uh, the
0: carpet kit and was like, ah, fuck it, throw it in. yeah well there's another thing that i want to um talk about and that is sort of like add-ons i don't know if you know much about all the different add-ons and stuff and uh, uh in terms of like the uk and i know this is mainly today we're talking about the rabbits but again there's just not that much information here in the uk it's all all of my sort of research has been based on asking the owners and asking other other caddy owners about you know, what did your truck come with? And it's like, I'm troubleshooting and saying, well, since got, got the, the same truck with the same, same gear. gear, how can they didn't get like a, an, a radio or a speaker in the door or this, that, and the other. And it's like, it's really intriguing to know what are, what were the options back in the day, especially for the the rabbits and the, and the pickups. What Do you know much about what the options were? for you know when you went into the showroom floor and said right I want this rabbit do you want this do you want th- what do you do you know much about that I probably don't know near as much about it
1: as Bobby would uh Bobby's definitely got the literature to back up uh back it up but mm. I do know offhand that you could get dealer options over factory options you know you could get mm. you know a factory option obviously being put together at the plant whereas a dealer option would be put together from whatever dealership you're buying it from. Mm. Um I know you could get dealer optioned mud flaps, you could get dealer optioned chrome arch trim, you could get dealer optioned uh floor mats, you could get dealer optioned air conditioning even and it was a different air conditioning setup than the stock, you know, air conditioning setups that came in the cars. Mm. You could get a lot of wacky dealership add-on stuff, uh, and I think it's it's very weird. Uh, there was a lot of oddball dealership stuff. Um, now, that kind of touches on the topic of something I wanted to bring up from Poplin's episode with you. Uh, yeah. He brought up the California edition car.
0: Uh, yes, uh, very cool, very cool.
1: So the cat as far as i know i I don't think i'm calling walter out i'm not by any means but as far as i know the california edition car it actually was never ever called that there is no, no reason to my knowledge why anybody started calling it a california edition they didn't build them in california they're actually called the wild white rabbit edition captain morgan touches on those a little bit you know He is right with the interior stuff. You know, it was the first year in 1977, not 78, but in in 77, you could order a wild white rabbit edition. And it came with these red seats with the plaid houndstooth inserts. It would have a red dashboard with a black glove box lid, a black set of vents. It, It was an oddball car. The first year red door cards and red carpet with, it, it, it was just a mix of everything, but I, it was not a, it was not a California edition thing. So there was for a while, somebody was trying to figure out like, okay, how come all these California edition cars are here, but there's no literature on it. There's no this, there's no that. There actually is. You can search for it and find stuff on the wild white rabbit edition. And you'll find more about these Cali cars like that. Uh So there, there really was a lot of oddball dealership stuff. I I I am not sure if the wild white rabbit was a factory thing. I almost think it was because Captain Morgan does mention it in one of his, his blogs, but I don't I don't think it was a California specific thing. I'm not sure why they called it the California edition thing.
0: Hmm, very interesting.
1: Very interesting. We also got in 19 1977 was kind of like the the rebel year for the rabbit in the united states we got a lot of very very weird stuff in 1977 you know the all the cars that came over in 1977 were were german built cars but kind of personalized for the american market so mm-hmm. the in 1977 you could get uh Regular set of wiper stocks, they were shaped like Swallowtail metal wiper stocks, but they were plastic like the 78 and up wiper stocks. 77 was the only year where you had a removable speaker vent in the dash, but non-removable vents for the defrosters up by the the windscreen. It was such an oddball fucking year. You could get blue interiors in 77. You could get green interiors in 77 you could get all sorts of weird weird stuff 77 so 77 was also the year of the, pla- the the California plaid cars the wild white rabbits they mm-hmm. also did this bizarre i forget what they called it it was the they it was based it was based off the alice in wonderland rabbit uh it was a panel van like you guys would get it had this, it was, they were all two doors and they had no back glass like on the quarters. It was this <laughs> panel that actually riveted on underneath the waistline trim in the door frame and then up by the rain gutter. And it was painted up with uh, a rabbit on the side of it. It came with, you know, a full interior and stuff like that. But they ended up building them and raffling them off uh, for lifesavers, you know, like the candies. Right. They raffled them off for lifesaver and a bunch of people didn't really give a shit about it. So the ones that didn't get raffled off by lifesaver ended up getting rebranded as these Alice in Wonderland, you know, wild white rabbit situations, whatever they were. And they got sold off as panel vans as well. And there are very, very few and far between. Uh, I have a friend in Pennsylvania uh, his name is Joe Klinglinger. Uh, he's got one. His dad bought brand new. They came with louvers on the back glass. And it was really like the weird 70s American vanning style built into a rabbit. It was bizarre. And uh, they came with dealer-optioned air conditioning. And it, it was – 77 was such a bizarre, bizarre year for the rabbit in America
0: – it sounds it, man. It really does. And wh- it was cool. So you got, we were talking about the 77 and 78. And I thought that the early Westies started production in 79. Or is that just the trucks?
1: No, you are correct. The early Westies did start production in 79. So all these 77 and earlier stuff, like 77, 78 cars that I'm talking about, they're all German produced cars. But they came over and got like American, they got Americanized, if you will. They were mm. very, very weird. Uh, but it, 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 I think it's, I think it's kind of a part of the American history of the rabbit, you know. It, it, they sent over some bland shit and we just fucked it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's like maybe it was like from 77 onwards till 79 let's say maybe it was just an area or an era where you know Volkswagen was maybe trying to find its feet and test the waters and see what worked and then in 79 it's like right this is the colors this is the interior yada 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 am I right yeah that's what it sounds like and now so when right the 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 rabbit trucks the early westies were they made the same time as the rabbit hatchback like I want to know what I want to know sort of like what came first or or not not necessarily what came first but the order of production I'm guessing the rabbit door the rabbit cars came first what about the differences between the two door and the four door like what came first in that respect it was
1: kind of all over the place. Uh, you know, the, all the complete knockdown cars that were built in the facility we talked about, they were all four doors. Uh, right. So I guess I guess when it comes to what came first, the, C- the first, the CKD cars, they technically came first. And as far as my knowledge is, they all came four doors. So I guess that. Uh, mm. Then I, it's not really as cut and dry as like, okay, they made the four doors here for this month the two doors here, they, they've just mixed it all in. So, you know, that you could be working on a four door, a four door, a four door, then a two door, then a four door, then three pickups, and then a four door and then a two door. It was all over the place, you know? Oh, right. Okay. Uh, so the trucks, you know, the trucks that, that first, the first rabbit truck to leave the facility, like I mentioned earlier, it was a white early Westy pickup and the picture on it was from 1978 that truck is actually in a museum in germany like the volkswagen museum and it has uh it has a date license plate on the front of the truck and even that says 1978 on it
0: really what i was thinking is uh what we could do now is have a tiny little ad break and then come back and talk some more shit about this history stuff cool with you Hell yeah absolutely Awesome. Guys, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Mark One Motorworks podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you stay up to date with the show by hitting the follow button or the plus button, and hit the notification bell so you get notified every time we release a new episode. And if you're really, really enjoying the show, you can always give us a five-star rating, and it really helps us out. Yes, and we also have a new Instagram account where we'll be posting photos of our adventures and behind-the-scenes content it's also the best place for you to get in contact with us. So follow us at mark1 underscore motorworks. And of course, our other main platform is our YouTube channel, where we post unboxing, how-tos and Volkswagen adventures. And we also have special guests on the show to showcase their Volkswagen Mark 1s. And for anyone not on Instagram, we also have a Facebook page where we'll share the same content. We also plan on doing a live stream once a week, which gives us a chance to talk to you guys in the community. So if you ever see a live stream pop up, make sure you come and say hello. And that is how you can keep up to date with everything we're doing. Make sure you follow and subscribe to all the things we've mentioned. New videos out Mondays and new podcast episodes out every Thursday. Right guys, all links will be in the show notes below. Enjoy. You're listening to the Mark One Motorworks Podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to the Mark One Motorworks Podcast. I'm here with Clint. Now, we were discussing a whole bunch of stuff going down a rabbit hole uh, on the first part of the podcast. And it's just, I'm just sort of awestruck, to be honest with you, man. It's just, there's so much history that's pretty much everything you've, said today is hitting me for like the first time so i'm trying to process it i'm sure a lot of other people are in the same position and it's it's strange because you wouldn't believe the amount of people in the uk that don't even know that in the in the us they you have rabbits they they thought that they're just called caddies and golfs worldwide and it's just not not the case and I don't want no. to teach people to suck eggs at all. I really don't. But uh, <laughs> and I don't. I don't want to sort of go over the 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 obvious things. Like, oh well, the difference between a rabbit and a gulf is this. I don't want to. That's not what this episode is about. <laughs> like, I want to. I want to talk about the stuff that not many people know about. Do you know what I mean? Uh, right. Really absolutely. Intrigues me. So, yeah. Sorry. Carry on. I think you were going to say something. Well,
1: I think a lot of people. What, what was your first year caddy over there?
0: I, I've i been told so many different things. I've been told 79, which I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, mine's an 85. There's, even when I look it up online and try and find out like all the different years, it's like a big question mark. It's just, there's like 79 to 84. And then it's like, 79 to 98 it just doesn't make any sense to me so right. i'm trying to do this whole research thing and, and start i'm starting with the u.s i'm starting with you guys because i personally love the rabbits and the rabbit pickups i prefer over the uk caddies and golfs i prefer the look i prefer the history you have have completely different color color schemes over there the way they're made the the inside the interior everything about the rabbits really speaks more to me than (laughs) over here in the UK maybe it's got something to do with the way people are restoring them over here it's just not to my taste whereas over in the US it's very vintagey retro vibes. Like I don't want to sound cliche and like a fucking, you know what I mean. But that's just the way it is over there in the US. Is just my style. Like for these golf's and and I think we talked about it privately the other day where we were talking about the differences. But, Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I I think Volkswagen was going a step a step beyond their market for America because they were trying to find their footing here, kind of like you said earlier. So we did Mm, get the crazy interior colors that everybody wanted, you know, in the UK, everything over there was just kind of bland and black. You guys never really had a crazy, you guys got cool ass, cool ass, like interior fabric patterns and stuff like that on, on for instance, yeah, you know, it's but like over here, them, I suppose. right over here, all we got was different colors and stuff. Everything over here was about the colors, not the fabric, not the patterns, whatever. It was just colors. So we did get the oddball crazy interior color stuff. Uh, We got cool, cool interior exterior color combinations. You know, over here, color matched interiors was a, a very hot thing in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. So, you know, obviously Volkswagen tried to, you know, sway their market into that, uh, you know, but, you know, Volkswagen was kind of all over the place. So everybody, as far as I knew, for many years, everybody said that the Rabbit pickup was the first Volkswagen truck of, you know, not including the T1, T2 based, you know, Mm. trucks that they did. But it was the first water-cooled Volkswagen truck that they did, you know. I've heard rumor of people saying that all the molds that built your caddies were from our Westmoreland facility, just redesigned for your your market. And I, I don't know the validity in that, but I do know that when Captain Morgan went over to the Wolfsburg plant, I believe in 76, it was 75, 76, he actually has a Polaroid of the first ever quote-unquote caddy like prototype that they built and it's not at all what you think it is today Uh, really so there was actually a five-year gap i believe america got the first the first quote-unquote caddy or rabbit truck i think Mm. you guys got Started getting them in 82 or 83 or something like that. We started getting them in 79 this thing This truck was already built and driving around Germany in their facility their Wolfsburg plant in 75 or 6 when he went over it was this oddball olive green like drab green kind of color it had you know, like the old bay window and split window transporter trucks they did. They had the fold-down bedsides and stuff. Mm. It had it had those, and it was a much shorter wheelbase. It was a very, very peculiar little truck.
0: Wow. I'd love to look yeah. at pho- see if there's any photos of that, you know. That would be quite only,
1: interesting. The only photo I've ever, ever seen of it is from Captain Morgan. He still has the Polaroid. I have the photo saved. I can forward it over to you after we're off the phone here. Mm. Uh, It is is nothing that the Caddy or Rabbit Truck is today by any means. It is very bizarre. That
0: is so interesting. And I think it's, you know what, I think it's because I've spoken to many different people since starting this podcast and the general feel and from what people have said is that the that like you say in the US you guys were the first people to have the trucks and so anybody that I speak to from like from then onwards I've just said you're like look <laughs> the cat the well the, the trucks came from US they had them first and it's like we had the caddies second and a lot of people I'm talking about the UK uh, audience here is that people don't realize that. They don't realize that you guys had them, like you say, you, they were driving around way before we even got them here. You know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of strange in a way because obviously Germany is <laughs> closer than closer to us than the U.S. And it's like, for me trying to wrap my head around, oh, you, know, you, the U.S. got them first. It was like, that's strange. Do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. I think that has to do most with, like we were talking about, Volkswagen was trying to nail Mm. the American market. I think that's kind of how the rabbit truck was born. We had, we had, you know, the, the El Camino, the Ranchero, the Rampage, the Subaru Brat. We had all these unibody almost Utes, you know, they were, they were car designed unibody more or less uh pickup trucks it was it was the cabin of a car with the bed attached you know we had a lot of that going on in america and i think volkswagen saw that saw the market on it and said oh man we've got to do this but of all of that stuff you know the the uh el camino the ranchero they were all rear wheel drive they were kind of the first they they were starting at the Ranchero and the El Camino in the, the mid to late fifties or something like that. Sixties. Right. And uh, I, I, maybe, maybe more sixties than anything. So, so there was a 20 year gap in America where we had these almost sport utility vehicles. It was a, a car that was comfortable like a car. It had, the luxury of the front half of a car but it had a, an attached pickup bed but it wasn't it wasn't as poor on fuel as a truck and it really you know it kind of melted the hearts of a lot of a lot of America and became kind of a staple here and I think that's kind of why Volkswagen tried to intrude on the market a little bit and uh you know like the Subaru Brat I can't I don't know if those were all wheel drive yet it was a very early Subaru I'm gonna Mm -hmm. guess they probably were, but if not, they were front-wheel drive. The Dodge Rampage is a front-wheel drive-based unibody truck like that. And uh they did neither of them, you don't see any of them anymore. They really did not sell well, but the rabbit pickup, they they it's like they introduced the rabbit, got America comfortable on it, and said, Okay, these are doing great in America, unload the unibody truck. Maybe they're ready, and they hit it right at the right time because the Mm. rabbit truck. You know, it it was sold like a motherfucker
0: here. Now, I do want to talk on that, actually, because I think Bobby mentioned it Um, when Volkswagen started selling the trucks in 80 and 79 and 80. They did really well. 81 skyrocketed in sales. And then 82, 83, it just started to, you know, to create and they, they just weren't, they weren't um, making much money off them. They weren't selling. Is that right?
1: I I think that is correct. Yes. Uh, in my experience, I don't have the logistics of it in front of me, but in mm. my experience personally, I've had a lot of '80 pickups. I've had very few '79s because they didn't produce many. But that was the first year, so it's not. It's to be expected. I've had a lot of '80 pickups. I've had a shitload of '81 pickups. I've had a pretty substantial amount of 82 pickups. I've very, very rarely seen an 83 pickup. 83 mm. pickups, you can tell the difference. In America, it's the same as an 81, 82 pickup, but the 83 had these factory tie downs in the bed so that you could like use a ratchet strap to secure your load and stuff. Yeah. It was on every, it was on every 83 pickup. But oh right. You know, you, you never see them here i i just saw one this past weekend at a car get together down here in florida and uh i saw it and i was like holy shit this is an 83 and the guy immediately looked at me he said yeah you know that because the bed tie downs i said yeah buddy uh, <laughs> but i think they sold so well in 80 81 and some 82 that nobody needed them in 83 they never even produced like i hear rumor that they produced like low like low hundreds maybe even a hundred or something like that pickups in 84 i don't know the truth in that uh there's fable that they even produced like 10 trucks in 85 or something like that and i I really kind of find that hard to believe because westmoreland was transferred over into the the first year second gen golf so i i don't i really don't believe that they made an 85 I could be blowing smoke up your ass I guess I I guess I don't know but I've never ever e- even seen an 85 never mind an 84 and the 83s are so few and far between that of the probably 30 pickups that have come through my life and hundreds of pickups I've seen in my life I've really only ever seen maybe four or five 83 trucks so I I don't think it was because they were doing poor. I think they just killed the market. They flooded it. Right. They they made so many everybody bought those that poof, nobody else needed them, you know. Mm. I, like
0: we've spoken about privately that there is a 1979 Mountain Green truck here in the UK literally about 50 miles away from me. Like if you cuz obviously you know I live on an island, but if I was to get a ferry across to the mainland where I'm from If I drove 50 miles, I'd find a 1979 Mountain Green truck, automatic transmission, the one that's from California that Eddie, I think, wanted to get his hands on but never could. And it's now here in Brighton for sale for 6,000 UK pounds. And I, I was just like, I looked at the advert online when it came up and it said auto, and I was like, surely not. And yeah, it is. Do you know much about when... They, you know, do you know much about the diff? uh, not the difference, what am I trying to say? Like, was that quite a big thing in America to have an automatic transmission versus a manual? Or was it like 50-50? It was way less than 50-50. I think the
1: automatic transmissions, you actually had to try to order. I don't think you could really just go on the lot and be like, yep, I want this truck, but in an auto. And they said, okay, yeah, we got two out back. I think you actually had to, like, if you wanted an automatic, you had to wait on it. My mountain yeah. green truck was a factory automatic. That green truck was a factory automatic. Almost all the trucks I've ever seen, factory automatics, were all 79 or 80 trucks. I've I've seen, I think, two in the past seven or eight years I've been doing this. I've seen two late Westmoreland-built trucks that were automatic, they were both base models, they were both silver, they were both blue interior, but they were on opposite sides of the country, so they they weren't the same truck. And I don't think that's necessarily like a determining factor. They weren't all in a silver, blue interior truck. It's just that they're so few and far between, you really don't see them when it comes to trucks. Uh, As for sedans and two doors, I've seen a plethora, certainly, of automatic rabbits Uh, not very many in the spectrum or grand scheme comparatively to the, the four or five speed manual transmission cars, Mm. but they are certainly out there. Uh, I know I've got a friend down here. He's got an, I I think it's, yeah, it's a 79 silver four door with black interior. It is a CIS based, you know, gas car. And it is a, it is also an automatic and he still drives it. As an automatic, you know, he never swapped it, and the motherfucker actually does really, really well. Um, uh, I had bought an ex girlfriend a cabriolet with an automatic, and you know, it, it had done really, really well as well. So, mm. the, the autos are certainly out there. I think if you were to try to find a Mark One with an automatic, you'd kind of have a tough time, but I do know that you can get a shitload of the convertibles automatic, you know, though I, I probably not 50 50, but probably. 70 30 or even 60 40 the low side being automatics mm. uh, you know they're certainly out there uh, yeah i've got another friend the the guy i sold my mountain green truck to his sister daily drives a, a tan late westy four-door with an automatic is it, it uh, automatic transmission in it so they're out there they're kind of hard to find but they're out there um uh, mm. they're fairly and they- stout units
0: yeah in, in here in the UK, I believe it's, you know, automatic cars are actually more expensive to buy. Is that the same for the US?
1: Um, when it comes to the rabbit world, no. In general, yes. Uh, mm. It's not so much that they're more expensive. It's that the new, quote unquote, the new generation here doesn't really give a shit about cars. They don't care mm. about any of that stuff. So, like, when it comes down to it, if you're trying to sell a modern car and it's a five-speed, and you're trying to sell it to like the general public, you're not going to be able to sell it near as easy as you would an automatic.
0: Mm. Well, the thing is, it's um my my girlfriend Chloe. She only has an automatic driver's license. Like, I don't know if you had that over there in the U.S., but here she just couldn't work the stick. Right, bless her little heart. So she actually took her driving test in an automatic, passed, but she can only drive automatics on her license. Um, so, so in go on. in the United States, that's not a thing. Uh,
1: right. A license is a license. The only thing that that is similar to in the United States is our commercial driver's license. So our, our like, semi-trucks. If you go out and you get your license for a CDL in an automatic big rig, you can only drive automatics. You're not you're not licensed to drive a manual transmission eighteen wheeler. Really? But as for like our our license here is, you know, I I it's different state to state. But uh, like my class D license in Massachusetts, that just means I have a driver's license. I can drive whatever the fuck I want to under like I think it's ten thousand gross vehicle weight or something like that but uh right yeah no there's no no such thing as just an automatic license here so it, it's kind of funny for me to hear that that's bizarre
0: yeah and i tell you what this links back to the the mountain green truck that i said is in brighton here in the uk is because that's an automatic my girlfriend has, has an automatic only driver's license so i was trying to put the two together and i was like you know what would be fucking cool is if we both had a pickup truck that we could like two pickup trucks, one each. Like she could have an automatic one, and I could have the manual one that I've got now. And I, she, she didn't buy it. She, she, uh, she's not about it. She, she understands and she supports me with my little trying to get these shitty little vehicles up and running. And she gets it. She knows what why I love it so much. But for her, she, she wants something comfortable. She wants something. I think she wants like a Suzuki Jimny. I don't know if you guys got them over there. The Suzuki Jimnys? We did not. Suzuki stopped producing cars here
1: quite some time ago, but I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: She I think what she wants is uh
0: like a Barbie doll uh looking Jeep looking thing. <laughs> she, she loves it.
1: It sounds it sounds to me like she's smarter than you and she wants something reliable
0: yeah yeah Uh, i (laughs) i she's such a far more superior being than i will ever be now i did want to talk about um something else back to the the rabbits have you ever well i don't know how often you get messages from random people because like everybody knows you are a celebrity in the us and um i get if i get messages from people random people asking me advice about fucking volkswagens and i don't really know anything right now so i'm just pointing them in everybody else's direction but you must get questions on a daily basis people asking you certain things do you come across the same sort of question and you think oh you know what i just wish everybody knew this one thing and just leave me alone do you know what i mean
1: yes uh First things first, I don't I don't I'm not at all some sort of celebrity. Don't don't even <laughs> think just, that. I'm just but, joshing with you. No, I know. Uh the one question I like I said I wake up every morning to probably 20 DMs in my inbox and mm. I would say two or three or four of them every morning are a question, you know, usually on Mark 1 stuff or mm-hmm. Volkswagen in general. But the one thing I always get asked a lot over and over and over and over and over again that I am just not necessarily annoyed about, but like, holy shit, just open your fucking eyes. Mm. Everybody asks me, you know, over here, all our rabbits get floor pan rot. Everybody always asks me, where do I buy my floor pair repair panels for our rabbits? Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you buy them. Every single floor pan that anybody sells for a Mark I rabbit in the United States, every single one of them is produced by Clocker Home, So you can buy them from JEGS. You can buy them from Summit. You can buy them from Raybuck Auto. You can buy them from fucking Napa. You can buy them anywhere. Just shop around. Just shop mm. around. It's all produced by the same exact company. Just shop around and see wherever you can get it for the best deal. Half the time, I just go on eBay, find two of them. And fucking ship them to the door. They're always, always, always produced by the same company. So it, it doesn't matter. Just shop around. They're all the
0: same. That's interesting because I, I often get that like question about not necessarily floor panels, but like just replacement panels. And what was the company? Clocker Home. Clocker Yeah, Clocker Home.
1: K-L-O-K-K-E-R-L-H-O-L-M-N.
0: Clocker Home. I think we have them here as well. In the UK, I we think... have... We have this – uh it's an online website called Heritage Parts. Oh Yeah. yeah Heritage Parts Center. I think yeah. they, sh- they ship worldwide. There's also yep. a few other places that sell them. Uh, uh, I think uh, – you know, are they like silver, the, the, the replacement panels? Silver. The early
1: panels were black. The early right.
0: panels they did were black.
1: And then later production, I don't know if it was steel costs. They got a new supplier. They all come – as silver i i almost think they're like they're definitely not galvanized but they're certainly not just straight steel because they don't rust when they sit around i don't know what they are i don't know what Mm. they're coated in but it's it's almost like a galvanization though i i know it's not but uh yeah no they're they're all the same shit uh aftermarket fenders are all trash just find originals Mm. um That's what to look for rot. Open your eyes. Look at rot. If it's really fucking rotten, don't buy it. I don't care how good it runs. And if it is really rotten and you think, oh, well, you know, Clint can do it. So I can do it. You're right. You really probably can, but you probably don't want to. And if you say, I want to buy it, I know Clint will fix it. This is what he does for a living. Don't. I don't want to fix it. It's (laughs) shitty. I will. If you pay me, I will, but I don't want to necessarily. Mm. So those are really the only questions I get. Uh, and I, I don't want to come off as a dickhead. I'm not saying like, stop asking me questions. I'm always going to answer them, you know, but at the same Wouldn't
0: time. That... Yeah. The only reason why I was going to say is because obviously if you keep getting these questions, you can just say, go and look up the podcast. Here's the link. Just go and listen for yourself and stop bothering me. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? But It'll no.
1: never happen. I'll still get those questions.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And there's, it's really strange. I'm still getting people, just random people message me and they'll either say, oh, I found you on YouTube or I found you here or this person sent me your way. And I'm, oh, I didn't realize you do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. I just think it's easier if I just say, look, listen to this episode. We talk about it a whole bunch and you'll probably come away with so much more information than me just literally typing out loads of messages for a half an hour. Like, just go ahead, listen to this episode. You'll feel so much better about yourself. Now, there's this other thing as well I want to clear up. um, Because, again, this is something that I get a lot of messages about from people that are mainly in the U.K., and that's to do with the headlights. And it's mainly about I wanna know you guys went from circular headlights to, to squares. Or was it was it more of an aesthetic kind of thing?
1: I don't know particularly if there was any laws. Uh, you know, because our our it's it's weird. Our Ford trucks like the Ford F one fifty of the same years in seventy nine had or seventy eight had round lights and seventy nine had square lights, eighty had square lights. There was a lot of companies transitioning to square mm. lights. I'm not sure if it was aesthetics. I'm not sure if it was laws. It wouldn't surprise me of either, but I do know that I have an American Volkswagen Rabbit brochure and inside of it, it says that, you know, the, the new look of the 1979 Volkswagen Rabbit. And then inside it, one of the notations of it is the handsome new shaped headlights. So that would point to me that it was an aesthetic thing.
0: Mm, yeah, I'd prefer them. Yeah, absolutely. It's really strange because there's a lot of you guys in, in the US that I've spoken to that think the opposite. And they're like, no, no, the rounds are so much better. And I'm like, well, maybe it's just because I'm from the UK. And obviously, I follow a lot of people in the UK that have a goal for a caddy. And I just see them so often that when I do see a, a, an early Westie or a late Westie, oh, man, they just look so much better. Like, I just, oh, you know what? They look so much better than a round. I don't know. I I think it probably boils down to the grass
1: is always greener on the other side, you know. You, you know, you this is the day old saying. Uh that being said, personally, I know my opinion is just my opinion. Uh I think the four doors only look good with square headlights. I think the trucks only look good with square headlights. Two doors, they look okay with square headlights, don't get me wrong, but I think a two door can pull off round headlights very well. Uh, I also think color kind of plays into it with me. Um, you know, the pastel American-based palette that they did, I think they all pretty much pull off squares well. Uh, I, I don't necessarily care for the round lights much on the pastel colors. You know, I I if I saw a mountain green with round headlights, it would probably look shit to me. I'm not sure if it's because I'm a snob and I know it shouldn't have it or if it's just because of the color palette but same with like the light blue logo blue they did or tarpon blue it it just doesn't look right to me uh so i i don't know but i think most two doors like jessica's got the panama brown rabbit that's here if that thing had squares on it i think it would look fucking stupid it pulls (laughs) off rounds really really well but then a grand like My mountain green truck, if it had rounds on it, I think it would look fucking stupid because it pulled out squares really well. So I, I don't know. I'd like to retract my statement. I never got to see it in person, but this kid, John, that I know in Connecticut had the opportunity to buy a mountain green pickup, and it showed up to his house super rotten, and he didn't know that it was rotten, whatever. And he he backed out on the sale. He said, you know, I don't I don't want it. It's too rough for me. Whatever. And somebody had round swapped that truck. Kind of pissed poorly. Uh, mm. It's it's very very easy. The grill height is a different size between the rounds and the squares. So it's it's really easy to put rounds into an early Westie. So so going from round to square is is much harder. You can't mm. just put a grill in it if you. If you wanted to round swap your early Westie, you could literally bolt the headlights in, put the grill on, and then make a filler panel to go under the grill to cover up the little dead space. But to go the other way is is much more difficult. You have a, a taller grill height. The depth is a little different, but not drastically. So you, unfortunately, in your situation, for you to go from rounds to squares, the most easy thing for you to do especially for you not doing the welding and stuff yourself is to just do a whole core support swap mm. uh quite frankly it's it's really not hard if you pull the radiator out and you know the horn mounting location is on the core support and stuff if you pull all that stuff off your bumper out of the way whatever and you take the headlights out it's really only a couple hours swap it's it's mm. pretty impressive how easy it is um You know, I've done core support swaps for things that have been in accidents. Uh, This tan LS rabbit that I had that had the ABA in it—I was talking about the kid ended up hitting a mailbox in it at one point. So uh, Poplin gave me a whole brown front end I lopped off in his driveway, and I put it right back onto this rabbit. And you would have never known it was ever done. It it was, and it only took me an hour. You know, it's—it's not like it's hard. Another thing that I would like to say, and hopefully somebody listens to this, because I I kind of say this a lot. Uh you know, I know right now you with your minimal experience on the bodywork side of this, you know, this stuff might sound like kind of intimidating to you. And you know, I, I was at that point in my life at one point too. But I think of it like this, you know, uh somebody somewhere put your truck together on a Friday trying to go home and have beers with his friends, didn't want to be there, and he just hacked it together and didn't give a shit. So if you have half a brain and a little bit of passion, there's no reason you cannot do everything on that truck yourself that has been done already. You know, Mm. there's hundreds of thousands of these things out here. Everybody's done anything you're going to do at some point within – Within a certain realm, so it's it's really nothing to be intimidated over. Uh, you know, so, somebody somewhere put it together with no intentions on it, ever looking good or giving a shit, just doing it for a paycheck. So if if you're passionate on something, there's absolutely no
0: reason you can't get it done. Mm, I totally agree. These things are just made from sheet metal and bolts and you know a few other things, but it's like everything can be undone like just as easy as it went absolutely. back absolutely you know what I mean? that is so true i think we do sort of we do sort of um look at these project vehicles and think oh man there's a mountain in front of me i this, i'm going to have to save up so much money i don't have the skill set to do this i don't know how to do that but it's like the way you put it you're absolutely right it's like i think people need to get a little bit more like hands on with their especially if they are done a restoration project project I'm not a welder never welded don't have a welding machine at all but you know what if you said you know here's a welder I'd be like fuck it teach me show me how to do it I'd love like it's the same with the paint like my buddy here on the island his name's is Adam he's him and his team did the welding on my truck just because I <laughs> brand new to the whole thing and I was like you know what I need it done and need it done right and uh he said "Look, we've got a, a paint gun and all the rest of it. If you get the paint and the, the the thinners and all the rest of it, you know, show you how to do it. You can paint the truck yourself. I was like, fuck. Yeah. I'm going to paint the truck myself. How cool would that be to just to say, you see that truck? I painted that <laughs> I've never Hell painted yeah. a truck before. Do you know what I mean? And it's just, I, I'd love to sort of, the more I work on this vehicle, the more I'm like, what else can I do? Like, I plan on taking the whole, like, gutting the engine bay. I cannot wait to do that myself. I can't wait to put it all back in, like, properly, you know? And, I mean, at the very beginning, I was like, okay, there's two fuse boxes. That ain't right. Um, There's things that aren't plugged in. There's things that are just chopped. There's tape. There's things hanging out that just doesn't look right. I'm going to have to get a professional to look at this. And now I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna take the whole wiring out. I'm gonna do I'm gonna figure out what I need to do, what I need to order, where I need to get it from, what I need to make and I'm gonna try and learn how to put this whole wire like a new uh, wire myself. I think that'd be such a cool uh, a feet uh, and I, I don't mean feet with toes. I mean like a feet of like um endurance or you know right like, uh, to, to, just to be able to say, I wired my truck myself. I know what works. I know what should work. I know what is plugged in. And I would love that. It's the same with the paint. And eventually, if the opportunity arose where I could get my hands on a welder and someone would be by my side going, right, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. Let me at it. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I, I just like, I don't think other people should shy away from Getting their hands dirty with their own thing, you know. And I, I guess, in a way, this is maybe it's to do with the separation we were talking about at the beginning with the UK and the US. And maybe you can touch on this as well. But over here, the impression I get from a lot of people, maybe, that are getting a restoration project, is that they kind of think, okay. I'm gonna have to save up for to get a professional to do this, and then I'm gonna have to get a professional to do that. I mean, they they have all these ideas and they have all, you know, the re, the um, resources, but it's like I don't really see people getting really, really hands on and doing the big jobs. Does that make any sense? I don't know what it's like over there for you guys.
1: I think it's, I think, probably eighty percent of the people doing this stuff in the United States, maybe even more are doing it themselves, uh, mm, which is yeah. is very, very good. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think there, the it's, it depends though. It's like scene to scene. All the Honda kids build their own stuff. Cause the Honda stuff's easy. All the rabbit kids build their rabbits themselves. Cause the rabbit stuff's easy. All the Porsche guys send their Porsches off to restoration shops because, it needs to be done right, and mm. you know they're worth money. So it, I think it's scene to scene for sure. Uh, you know I've got friends that are in the Porsche scene that were into the rabbit stuff, and they're no better than you or me. And they've pulled off really nice rabbit, or I mean, really nice Porsche restorations. Uh, you know, so if you set your mind to it, there's no reason you can't do it whatsoever. I I am fully confident that you could go buy a welder right now and i could facetime with you right now and show you how to make metal stick together and you could 100 percent by yourself do a core support in that truck with zero mm. efforts at all i would it's love really to not that. hard it's really really that. not hard mm. but you know it, it, it all depends on what you want like if you want your core support done by this weekend and you have no experience doing it, well then yeah, you should take it to somebody that knows what they're doing. But if you're going to say like, you know what, I've got a month to fuck around in the shop. I'm going to make metal stick together. I'm going to learn how to use this real quick. There's no reason that within a week or two weeks worth of fucking around with that machine, an hour a day after work, you couldn't do this by yourself. None of it's mm. hard. Uh, you know, I- I've got a lot of people that tell me like, holy shit, you're doing this stuff. It's so crazy whatever you're turning trash into this you're doing the Lord's work you're doing whatever I'm really not I'm just fucking bored I like doing stuff and this is the stuff that I do It's nothing that I'm doing is all that special you know I, I've got people I look up to that are doing shit that I think is absolutely insane and then they tell me the same thing oh there's nothing you can't do it's just it's what you put your mind to and what you spend your time learning there's absolutely nothing that I haven't done to a rabbit and there's absolutely nothing I don't think I could do to a rabbit. But that's mm. just because I've spent my time learning this chassis and knowing this chassis. I can tell you right now, every nut and bolt size for everything on that on a rabbit. But mm. I I know it. So it's it's really, to you, you might be like, holy shit, he really, he, he knows this shit. To me, it's just because I've done it a million times. And if you keep doing it over and over and over again, there's no reason you're not going to get to where I am. Anybody mm. can do it. I'm really nothing special, you know. It, well, it's...
0: I I know what you're saying, man. I really do. And I, it's like you say, it's because you've done it over and over and over and over again. It's like uh, there's a friend of mine who came over from Scotland down here to the Isle of Wight, and he's just getting into photography. And I've been doing photography for on and off as a, a hobby, really, um, since I was probably 15, 16, and I'm like 32 now. And to him, he's sort of just getting into doing all the manual stuff. And what I mean by that is like, you know, setting exposures and, and, you know, setting all the camera up rather than clicking the auto button and having the camera do it for you. He's sort of getting into that side of thing. And so he, he, I think he sort of looks at me and, and what I do and produce and photography. He's like, oh man, how are you, how are you able to just do that so quickly? How are you able to find the right setting so quickly? Like, and it's the same with the drone. He just got a drone, and I was like, right, what you need to do is this. This is how you fly it this way. This is how you do it this. And he's like, oh, how do you do it like that? How how do you just make it look so easy? And I'm like, it's because it's something that I'm passionate about, like rabbits, and it's something that because I've done it over and over and over again, it becomes second nature. It's the same with anything. Any of Like these kids playing Fortnite. If you handed me a controller and said, play Fortnite, I'd be like, or what the fuck, or I, I've not I'd just be shit, I'd be but like, these Absolutely. kids playing it all all fucking day every day, do you know what I mean it's all it, it, how passionate you are about it and doing it over and over and over again it's exactly like you just said right, It, it's
1: I feel the same way, I've never owned a video game
0: console I've never,
1: I've still to this day, I'm Turning 27 this year, and I've never owned a computer. I don't, I don't technology very well, uh, you know, because I'm, I was always out outside playing, riding my bike, or doing this, or doing that, you know, I, mm. I, whatever. So, I, I, if you, if I spend the time and I say, okay, I'm going to build myself a computer and I learn how to play whatever the fuck on the computer, you know, there's no reason I couldn't do it. Mm. I would just have to do it you know you, you don't win the science fair by not studying you know you gotta you gotta put your time and effort in. you gotta pay your due diligence and get it done and you will get it done there's no reason why nobody can do this i mean mm. you, you've got two hands two eyes two legs to stand on you're doing just fucking fine you could do anything <laughs> else i do you know
0: yeah and what is it what is it about these vehicles that you enjoy so much when it comes to ripping them apart and giving them a new heart like that and making them right what is it about the whole process that you love more is it the is it the end the end stretch where you think this is nearly ready and it's and then you close the hood and it's done or is it is it the process for you is it taking it apart finding out what you need and the whole process of putting welding and putting it back together what what is it about Frankensteining all this stuff together. What is it about the process you love?
1: I, to me, I like doing shit that nobody else will do. It's not that nobody else can do. It's that nobody else looks at and says, oh yeah, there's a little bit of life left in that. That green truck of mine was an absolute roach. It was ready to be cut up and hung on the wall and thrown away. And I mm. saw it and I said, no, nah, there's a little bit of life left in that. And the guy gave it to me for free. You know, mm. he, he said, man, this thing is so fucked. If you think you're going to fix it, fuck. Have fun. I like that stuff. I don't mm. necessarily have any ambition to go out and buy a very solid rabbit shell and put a 16 valve turbo in it or do this or do that. I like, I like the cars that you know, somebody looks at and goes, man, what the fuck are you thinking? You know what? This thing is, is trash. What are you even doing? Go do this with a real car. You know, that's the (laughs) stuff I like. I like when people look at it and go, man, you have way too much fucking time on your hands. Cause I do, I do. I really do. But I, I don't know. I like a little of this, a little of that, a little of everything. I like doing, you know, different stuff. I don't, I don't know many people that look at a rabbit that has no strut towers and no firewall and says, man, I could be driving this in two weeks. Uh, and, and fortunately for me, all the crazy stupid fucks that do think like that, like Chase Fisher, for instance, he's one of my good friends. So it's like, I, I have this built up niche of friends that look at cars that everybody else looks at and says, this is fit for scrap. I have a lot of friends that think like me and go, this is fit for round two. Holy shit. She's
0: wearing mm-hmm. her, her work clothes. She looks good, you know? The more I see your stories, the posts that you put up and the things that you're doing over there, it's like, well fuck yeah, if he can do it, then let's try and save this fucking beat up barnyard find over here. Let's do you know what I mean? It's like, well, why the fuck not? Whereas maybe before I I would have been one of those people to think, oh, it's ready to be scrapped. But now I'm like well, no fucking way. If it's even if it's a shell, I'm sure we can find an engine to put in it. I'm sure we can get it going Hell yeah. again.
1: Hell yeah. Now, this car that I'm working on now has moss and trees growing through the interior quarter panels and out the roof. It's <laughs> so absolutely trashed. And I promise you, I will be driving
0: it to madness this year. Mm, that's awesome. It's awesome. I love that about about you know your your passion to be like, nope, this thing ain't done yet. There's like a, I don't know if it's called a meme or a, a reel or a TikTok. I don't fucking know, but there's like a thing where it's, you see it. There's a like a video of a car and the this, the the just this the um what the fucking caption. That's the one. The caption says like, there's just an old classic car just trying to die in peace. And then there's, like, some guy comes up and, like, some music starts playing and he, like, drops a wrench or some shit and he gets to work on it. It's, it's a really fun... I'll have to send it to you. It's, it's quite funny. And it yeah. just it reminds me of you. <laughs>
1: yeah. I I don't know. I see it and I I think of... I think of them like they've had this long, crazy, hard life. I'm not going to let it finish now. Unless, unless, to me, unless a car is folded in half from the world's craziest accident. I don't really give a shit how rotten it is. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to rig it and I'm going to make it run and I'm going to have some fun in it, you know? Cause to me, I mean, all the super rotten rabbits that I get, they're all fucking free. So what the hell, you know, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend 20 hours and make it structurally sound because I know how to, and I can, and then I'm gonna have my fun with it. And quite frankly, I'm gonna kick the door shut. I'm never gonna wash it. If I if I go inside, forget to roll the window up and I look outside and it's fucking pouring. Well, I guess I don't really give a shit. You know, I, I don't <laughs> I don't care. Uh and it's nothing against the car, it's just that's what I'm into. I'm not the kid that has the garage space to have a polished up, beautiful hundred and point, like a hundred point nut and bolt restorated whatever car in in the corner of the garage that's not me that's never been me it probably never will be me i can appreciate that but at the end of the day i want to i want to see the jump on the side of the road hit it fix the shit that breaks and then keep going down the road you know i I don't give a shit i want to have some fucking fun
0: Mm, that's awesome and i can totally respect that i totally can now (laughs) i just want to go back because i completely forgot to ask you about this as you know I just had Winfred on the show and absolutely every fucker wanted to ask the same question. What's the deal with that trailer on the rabbit? What's the deal? Okay. What is it? it Yada, yada, yada. And I was talking to Winfred about it and I don't think he had a definitive answer of the origin of that trailer. So
1: there's this guy in the Volkswagen scene. He's an older guy. He's got to be mid-30s, maybe late 30s now. His name is Michael Burke. Uh, He's one of the DCI guys. He's one of Escher's best friends. He's one of the guys that throws madness. Uh, He is an OG. Uh, He had found two Mountain Green pickups in the woods of Virginia somewhere, and he bought them. He was planning on restoring them. One of them was absolutely fucked. Even I wouldn't, even I wouldn't try saving it. And one of them was fairly savable, but still rather trashed. You know, your normal sane human would look at it and say, "Okay, these are both scrap." Mm. Uh, he ended up bailing on the one that was super, super fucked and cut it up and scrapped it. I bought the fenders from the one that was super, super shot. Uh, the parts kind of just got scattered. He parted it out, brought the parts to madness, whatever. So he had this other one that he had worked on for a couple of years. And then finally, you know, I don't know if his kids got in the way or life got in the way or whatever, but he ended up parting ways with it and cutting it up and scrapping it. And my buddy Ian down here in Florida ended up buying the back half from him thinking, okay, maybe someday it'll make a good trailer. But Ian lives in Florida. I lived in Massachusetts. Michael Burke had the truck stored at this guy's property in Virginia So it was like it was in the middle between me and Ian. When I got my mountain green truck for free from this guy, AJ Nichols, uh, he lives in Richmond, Virginia. I lived in Massachusetts, so I loaded up my truck and trailer and I drove almost 10 hours south to Virginia and I got you know, I, I picked up the truck with my trailer. I sent a picture of it to Ian because Ian is a Mountain Green fan. He had always had Mountain Green cars. He kind of got me into the Mountain Green stuff. I sent a photo of it to him and he said, Holy shit, where'd you get that? I said, I'm in Richmond. And he said, No fucking way. I own half of a Rabbit Green, like a, a Mountain Green Rabbit truck that's in, in Richmond. You should go get it. You can have it. And I was just like, What? And he was like, Yeah, hit up this guy. And it ended up being this guy, Frankie, who I hit off a friendship with. and I'm still friends with now. So I talked to Frankie and I said, yo, what are the odds that I can come get that thing from you? And he said, I'd love to see it the fuck out of here. Do you got a two car trailer? I said, I don't, I only have a one car trailer. And he said, all right, I'll tell you what I'll cut it off at the interior cab wall. So it is just the bed. We can pick it up with my tractor and set it in the bed of your power. I had a Ford power stroke. I actually got it from Escher Uh, he said, I'll set it in the bed of your truck and you can drive it home. I said, all right, sure. So I ended up loading up my truck onto the trailer as a complete truck, went to Frankie's house, cut up that other truck and loaded it with his tractor into the bed of my, you know, the truck that I was driving, this Ford F-250 and I drove it home and I ended up cutting it up into a trailer to match my truck. And uh, unfortunately, I ended up selling it right before I moved. I really didn't want to, but Winfred is a very, very good friend of mine and he ended up with that four door and the four door just matches this trailer so well as as you know. Oh, so yeah. uh I thought it I thought it was a fitting home for the trailer. I ended up giving him the trailer for I think I traded him a set of wheels for the trailer or something stupid like that. Mm. And uh he did assure me, like you know, if if he if he ends up parting ways with a trailer or something, you know, he'd give me first dibs on it or or whatever. But I, it it was a cool creation of mine. Uh, it was kind of sacrilegious to cut up a green truck to turn into a trailer, but it was already so fucked that it just it was the only thing that made sense, you know. Yeah,
0: that it does make sense. You're absolutely right. And yeah, he he did say that, like, whenever he parts ways i think even if he parts ways with the four door it's like it's yours basically oh like, yeah you'll have I'm to chat to him for that bitch <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome though i, I now i'm a little <laughs> bit closer with that story like it's I, I say this with every episode it's like there's the more people i talk to the more stories i i hear the more of the, the pieces of the puzzle comes together and i'm like fuck yeah and it's all that's what makes the U S scene really attractive to me. And I just fucking wish I was over there because there's just none of that here in the UK. No, no right. stories, no meetups, no friendships really other than, you know, we've got a, a small group here, me, Aaron, uh, Sam, and a couple others, but that's it here in the UK. If you wanted to buy uh, like a project, a rolling project, caddy pickup or, a, you know, something like that, you're looking nowadays at 1,000, 2,000 plus for just a sh- like, like a project project. I think I even messaged you yesterday with some just stuff that's out there now.
1: It's funny. A lot of my friends and a lot of the people you've talked to that are my friends, like Nick Selko, he's got that Tarpon Blue pickup. We both got that for free. Uh, mm. He got that Black pickup. I'm sure the, the you know the body dropped pickup there. You know that truck. Uh, mm-hmm. he got that for free. I got my green truck for free. I just got this ratty two door for free. Uh, Billy got that yellow truck from us for free. Uh, you know. So, yes, there's a lot of us that are getting stuff for free. My buddy Cole got a free rabbit convertible from Poplin that is super super solid and nice. You know. So a lot of us, yeah, we're dealing with free stuff here. So it's a free for all. You know, kind of fuck off and do whatever. But The same inflated market is a thing here. If you were to say, okay, I've never been into rabbits. I have no ties into the rabbit community whatsoever. I want a rabbit truck shell to restore. And I want to start with one that's rust free. You're going to be spending $2,500 on just a shell.
0: Right. So it is very similar then if if you're out of the community. It is for sure. Interesting. Interesting. Well, is there anything else that you think we should touch on with this episode in terms of educating people and telling, you know, answering questions that you get on a regular basis or telling people things that, you know, a lot of people don't know about? No,
1: I I think in the history aspect, I think we probably covered most of most of what I know anyway, never, never mind what's out there. Uh, Mm. You know, I'm sure there'll be more to be learned from Bobby because he does have all the written down you know literature and there's certainly boatloads and boatloads to learn from Captain Morgan Mm. Uh, but you know I I think that I pretty much I I think I I mean I, I don't think any of it is necessarily like wrong but there's probably stuff that I've got mixed up or whatever and I think it's all it's hard to keep everything straight when it's you know almost 50 years old now and just you know written down on a forum somewhere or word of mouth or this or that but as for things that i've learned you know i've, I've learned a lot and i've learned a lot a lot about the early westy stuff because i'm certainly most passionate about it uh so i, I think i covered what i could really uh i know you did a very good job i'm always I'm always happy to answer questions, of course, too, if, if people say, you know, I, I have a question that you didn't cover, whatever, I, I'd love to hear it. You know, I, I'm always open to anything.
0: I don't care. But, uh, mm.
1: you know, I, I think we covered most of it.
0: Yeah, I think you did a very good job, mate. Very good job. Thanks. Now, well, we've probably spoken about it before, about, like, you're the one and stuff like that. Has anything changed since we'd spoken about, you know, what what is the, your perfect truck, what it looks like and stuff like that?
1: no not necessarily uh you know i'm, I'm fucking around with this rotten white two-door here that my buddy chris gave me generously um uh, mm. you know it's not it's not a lifer to me you know if it sits around for a long time because i did something crazy with it you know cool that's awesome if somebody buys it cool that's awesome too i, I mm. don't really care the car is really kind of just every year i try to do something silly to go to madness and i guess this is kind of what I'm going to try to do for this year but uh mm-hmm. no I I really I haven't even been looking uh I'm not on I'm not on any of the Facebook groups anymore uh you know so I don't really see all the crazy cool shit that's going by so no I haven't particularly found the one uh no but I'm sure at some point I will
0: you know what like going back to what you said earlier about not having a computer and not owning a games console and stuff like that, I wouldn't be able to keep up with you guys. I wouldn't be able to get in touch with people that, and I wouldn't be able to do this fucking podcast. I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to finish my build probably if I didn't have access to the internet and Instagram. Do you know what I mean? I, although oh, I would love to. Absolutely. Think, I'd love uh. your little lifestyle over there. I, I, I just picturing it now in Florida, you just got, like a big old house with a fuck ton of land and a shit ton of vehicles scattered around and you could just take your pick on which one you want to work on and stuff and it's like man i just don't have that sort of um i don't have the knowledge and the skill set right now to just be like fuck it i'm leaving social media deuces and then just do you know what i mean i kind of need it right now to to get in touch with people and learn more does that make right. sense
1: yeah, totally. Social media to me is kind of like it's a fucking catch twenty two, man. You know, mm, you're, yeah, you're. I make my living from it. You know, I've got a business page for all my my work stuff on Instagram that's separate from my personal page, and you know, I I try to promote that and use that or whatever. So I you know I bring all my money in through social media. Everybody's messaging me, yo, hey, can you do this for me and all the stuff that generates money from me pretty much, I would say 90% of it or more is all social media based. You know, it's, I got a lot of good word of mouth, which will are, but there's a lot of people that send me their shit from all over the country. And then they send it to me because they see my social media stuff. So it's not like something I can just say, fuck it. You know what? I'm done with it. I'm getting rid of it. You know, it's not that easy. So I I understand what you're saying, but you got to be able to disconnect from it for a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't have any notifications to my phone. So like if you write to me on Instagram out of the blue and I happen to write back to you right away, that's because I was on it, not because I got the notification. I don't get notifications for anything other than phone calls and text messages because mm. if I did, I'd just consume my whole day away. Uh yeah. So I I try to limit it, you know, the I'm off of some of the social media groups. You know, I'm on Facebook, to post the shit that I do and and to drum up some work. But I'm not on Facebook on burn all the mark ones or this or that or any of the groups just because, you know, a lot of the people that have started flooding this stuff are kind of just what I consider fuckboys. And Mm. it's it's just it's getting to be kind of annoying. You get the YouTube hype, you get all this shit. I don't consider myself a Volkswagen rabbit og whatsoever i have a lot of friends that have been doing this for 25 30 years you know they've they've seen these cars new i haven't even been doing these cars for 10 years yet so you know i'm not an og i'm not i'm just a kid that stuck his nose in everybody's business learned a bunch of shit does his thing and hasn't pissed off the wrong person yet i guess but there's a lot (laughs) of these young young little fuckers that come into it and you know you you say No, your information's wrong. This is actually what's right. Not trying to be a dickhead, just trying to, you know, put it out there. And you get told that, you know, oh, go kill yourself. You're an asshole. This, that, you know, fuck you. I just don't want to deal with it. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't care about the, I'm not playing fucking, you know, Halo and pissed off, you know, at a 15 year old and listening to him telling me he's going to plow my mom or something. That's not what I'm doing this for. You know, it's just stupid. Uh, There's no reason for that shit and you know I, I just got pissed off about it so i i left some of the groups just because they kind of just suck now you know it's nothing against mm. the groups or the people that run them it's everything against the little fucking shithead kids and i there's a lot of them that are older too you know it's not just you know the younger generation but just people that are just so fucking annoying if you have the time to sit there and bitch and piss and moan all day every day and comment on everybody's shit I'm not going to take you seriously because you're not getting anything else done.
0: Mm. So wow. th- there's a time and place for it. Yeah, totally. And then what, what I was going to ask as well is, do you see yourself doing what you're doing now for the foreseeable future? I don't know how you operate. I don't know how, what you're like, uh, what you're, if you think, if you live in the now or are you someone who plans ahead, I don't know if you, if there's anything that you sort of think, oh, you know what? I'd love to do that one day. You know what I mean? Like for me, I I look at um body shop painting or welding or something like that. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'd love to give that a good crack one day. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like an occupation or, or a hobby or a person or whatever, like, is there anything, do you think, Oh, you know what? There's gonna be a time when I'm not gonna to want to do this stuff, and I'm gonna try and pursue something else. Ever uh, come up for you?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a constant conflict with me personally. You know, by with myself, constantly. Uh, I have pretty much no money. You know, I I don't really, you know. I'm not wealthy by any means. I think right now I've got $400 to my name and I bust my ass all day, every day, every week, but I don't necessarily live within my means either. You know, I, I go out and I build stupid, shitty cars that I don't need to and whatever. So it's, it's my fault. Uh, You know, I would have substantial money probably if I busted out all this work and just kept taking on work and never did anything for myself. But with my lifestyle and how I want to live it, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 27. I'm 26 right now. I own the home that I'm in outright with Jessica. And, you know, it's she has a job at Amazon and she covers her bills. And I have a job doing what I do in the garage and I cover my bills. And quite frankly, there's no reason for me to want to go out and get a job today. I I woke up at eight o'clock. I went to the garage. I cleaned the garage all day. I reorganized some of the cars in the yard. I, burned off some of the cardboard boxes that I had. And then I did this, you know, I didn't really work on anything. I cleaned that white car, uh, you know, so it's nice being able to make your own schedule, but at the same time, you have to be able to make your own schedule. You have to say, okay, Mm -hmm. no matter what, I don't care if I find a million dollars on the ground tomorrow, I'll do something fun with it after I get this done. I have to get this done. So you have to be able to, you have to be able to, you know, hold your own in that essence. And I think a lot of people can't, uh, it, it fights me daily. You know, uh, I would love to be able to wake up in the morning and say, this is my goal and get it done every day. But that's just, it's just not the case. That's not how life works. So I don't know. Realistically, I I won't do this for the rest of my life. I don't think, uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, if you asked me two years ago, you know, two years ago, I had a job making $36 an hour at a desk, watching a machine run all day. And it was fucking awesome. That satisfaction of getting a nice thousand dollar paycheck every single week with doing minimal effort. You know, it was great. Mm. If You told me two years ago, yeah, you're going to have no money, but you're going to do what you want to do day in, day out, travel when you want to travel, you know, whatever. I'd say, fuck that. No, I'm not. And here I am. So I, I, you know, you can never, you can never say, you know, anything positive like, you know, set in stone because you never know what life's going to throw at you. But mm. no, I don't necessarily think I'll do this for the rest of my life. I, well, let's I let's take involved. money out
0: of it for a second. Let's take money away and let's say money was no, like, it doesn't come into it. Like, what is, are you passionate about anything else right now? Or, or do you see yourself in the future doing something? To do with cars still, or is there anything else in the back of your head thinking I want to do this? I'd I'd like to I'd like to try and give a go at this.
1: It'll always be about cars. Yeah. Uh, I if I if you said you know what is your dream job quote unquote I want to work at an old hot rod shop. I want to I want to fabricate metal, metal metal shaping, metal forming, sheet metal especially is one of my passions uh this guy matt murray that i've grown to be great friends with he used to build rabbits ages and ages ago he was an og of the rabbit scene way way long ago and he does model a stuff now and he is a metal guy and that's what i'm passionate about i am passionate about forming and shaping and recreating metal that's what i want to do i would love to do it in an old hot rod shop fixing up Fixing up whatever, uh, 32 Model A's or, you know, or 32s or Model A's or, you know, old pickup trucks or whatever. I don't care. I just, I like creating something out of metal. And Mm. the rabbit stuff is fun. It's what I know. But there's not, there's no metal work shit with it. Yeah, you can stab pans in it, but you're not doing anything other than stabbing a set of pans into it. You know, so that's not what I'm passionate about. That's why I like, I like, I like, I like what they call like maybe patina blending. I like taking a set of rotten fenders that the truck is perfect, but the fenders are shit. And then you fix the fenders and you blend the paint and you throw them back on the truck and make it look like they're supposed to be there. You know, that's the stuff that I like. I like that stuff a lot. Um, And I'm still, still kind of honing my skill on it. You know, I'll, I'll always forever be learning. It's not something I'm a master of, but that's, That's what I'm passionate about. That's what I would love to do for a living. That's what I think I could go to bed every day saying like, okay, yeah, I'm happy with this, but I wouldn't want to do it for myself. I want to be able to drive to work knowing like, okay, today I'm going to fucking do some shit. I go in and they're like, yeah, this is your project. Make it happen. Whenever it gets done, it gets done. doesn't matter. And then I want to do it, but there's not, there's not really many positions like that, you know? So in the meantime, I'm kind of using what I'm doing right now to build a quote unquote portfolio, if you will. Mm. So like when the opportunity does arise and I do find a shop that's like, okay, we need to bring somebody on that has some sort of thought process to make this happen. I want to be like, look at my shit. This is what I do. Here you go. Flood them with all the shit I've done and have them be like, okay, this is an easy choice to make. We want you. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I want to do. That's what I do this all for. So if if I end up you know quote unquote building this portfolio and doing this shit for the rest of my life because I don't find that position, well, fuck it, I don't really care. I'm not the kid that ever wanted a big fancy house and millions of dollars and whatever. I don't give a shit about financial security. I'll figure it out one way or another. I just want to live here and have fun.
0: Well, it's good that you have you have that in your, you know, in your noggin that you you have the drive you have, have an idea. idea you, you have you have that thing like I was saying like that that other thing that you're sort of headed towards a lot of people don't have a goal they don't have a path they don't have direction and I think you you do have that you you you're doing the absolute right thing by doing what you're doing now with the rabbits and you know them inside out like you said and you're sort of preparing yourself for this other chapter that may happen and probably will happen later on in the future. Whereas a lot of people are just going about life, just living paycheck to paycheck, doing a dead end job. And that's so sad. But hearing you say, you know, I want to do this. I wanted to do that. One day I'm going to do this. It's like, fuck yeah, man. And I'm sure we're all rooting for you to do that. And like I said, there's so many people that just don't, have that same I mean I'm a postman you know me I I fucking deliver mail that's not my end goal that was a job to you know get we just finished travelling came back from Australia and Bali and it's like right we need a job we need to make some money Let, I'm just going to get the first job that comes up oh postman brilliant let's do that this is not my end job but right <laughs> from my job I obviously deliver to about 500 houses per day and the the amount of people that I see you know, either working from home or, you know, going. And I see them doing the same old shitty job and you can see they clearly don't, they don't enjoy what they do. They don't do do anything about it. it. And And the fact that you know what you want to do, you know what you're passionate about. You're already like, well, many steps in front of people like that. Does that make sense? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, You know, I, I, I still have a lot of my skill set that I need to hone and, you know, really zero in. Uh, There's people that I look up to, obviously um, Matt Murray, especially he's, he's really, really fucking talented and it's cool because he's one of my best friends. So when I do have questions, you know, he's there for me and he, he all the time, he's always rooting for me. He tells me all the time. So it's, it's nice to hear, especially from people like you that, you know, you you know me, but you don't know me that well. It's cool for you to say like, yeah, dude, you're going to fucking do it. So it's, it's nice to hear that cuz it sounds like I'm actually making some sort of impact in oh, the right direction.
0: I think every everybody who I've had on the podcast always references yourself, Poplin, and uh, all these other guys that are doing something car world, the the Volkswagen world, and you guys always come up so you have this impact on other people and that's cool. That's really cool to have that impact on People that are in the scene as well, like everybody knows you. Everybody speaks very, very highly of you on podcasts, off the podcast. Just I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. If it's something you're passionate about, just keep on doing the thing that you love to do. And I was going to ask as well, what is the thing that you've learned over the years about all the restoration and putting things back together, ripping it apart and making all these creations and and all this for the people What's the one thing or or you're really, really fucking good at, at that you would class yourself as? You know what? I'm really good at this.
1: Not saving money. <laughs> 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 uh, I I would say if if there's anybody to go to to stab out rabbit floors, definitely me. uh the the super oddball stuff the rot stuff the the shit like we were talking about earlier the shit Mm. that everybody says that's way too far gone I'm always the guy that gets tagged in it and they're like yeah this idiot would fix it so probably that stuff um for me personally I like I I'm not a body guy I make rot disappear and I use metal to do it. I'm not good at the plastics. I'm not good at Bondo. I'm not good with the fiberglass stuff. I'm not, I'm not good at that. So I spend all my time trying to perfect the metalwork.
0: I've mm. had a lot of
1: cars that come here for rot repair and then end up going straight to the paint shop or body shop or whatever. I've even done some work for a body shop down here that works in high-end cars with Lamborghinis and Ferraris and stuff like that. And, you know, I work side-by-side with him as he's a painter. And I do my metal work and I go, you know, what do you think? And he'll be like, holy shit, this is fucking sick, you know, and I'll be able to take it apart. And I'll say, yeah, it could be a little better here, a little better there. And they're like, "Nah, no, you're doing way better than anybody else that they're sending these cars to. So it's cool to hear that shit. So I guess, I guess really as terrible as it is, that shithole of a Massachusetts that I grew up in, you know, kind of prepared me for what I want to do and turned me into what I am, I guess. So really, if, if there's anything that I think like, yeah, I- I'm i the guy to go to for, it's like just fixing Mother Nature's fuck-ups, I guess.
0: Mm. In Massachusetts, obviously, you must have more rain, more snow than Florida, <laughs> and Florida's just beautiful weather all year round, right? Oh,
1: believe me, Florida's sweet, but we still have some fucking trash here, man. Florida, mm. everybody thinks Florida like, Oh man, go get a car from Florida. They're all rot free. That's totally wrong. Totally wrong. Uh like Florida still gets some really bad rot, man. I- I've never seen a rabbit from Florida that's been here its whole life that doesn't have rot holes in it. Uh it- it's just it's bad. This mountain green four door that I talk about, that car's from Montana. It lived all of its life in Montana up until 4 or 5 years ago, and it is a rot free beautiful car. It's been in Florida for four or five years, and it is rotten now. It is rotten. This white rabbit that I just brought home, that is a Florida car through and through. It is fucking rotten. It's the co—it's a mix of the coastal breeze, and everything in Florida is constantly wet. I live in a fucking swamp. There is no, you know, if, if you get wet leaves built up in your rain tray and you don't clean them out for 10 years, they're going to be wet for 10 fucking years. They're mm. never going to dry out and it's gonna be rot. So, no, we don't have the road salt stuff like Massachusetts, but we still have the rot. In Massachusetts, you could look at a rabbit. Like, I've got this silver rabbit here. This actually, this is perfect, perfect two examples. I've got this 80 silver rabbit and this 80 white rabbit. The 80 white rabbit is from Florida. It's been here its whole life. It has no sheet metal. The paint is burnt off of it. The drip sills are all rotten. The windshield frame is rotten. The hatch is rotten. All the skins that the sun sees all the time is rotten. That car has 64,000 miles. That's very low. This silver four door that I have was up in Maine. It's a New England car, it has been its whole life. It has 26,000 original miles. The paint is beautiful. The windshield corners are beautiful. The arches are beautiful. Under the window frames are beautiful. It has no floors, it has no strut towers. The beam mounts are gone. All the inner rockers are gone. The floors are just trash. So it's, it's, I went from one extreme to another. The Florida stuff rots from the outside in. The northern road salt stuff, much like what you experience, rots from the inside out.
0: Right. That makes sense.
1: That makes sense in some strange way. It's a sad world we live in. They're all yeah. rotten. You just, you just got to deal with it or pay the big bucks to find one that isn't i guess
0: Mm. well man uh our original goal was to educate people i think we've done that and we kind of touched on a lot more so thank you for for your time and you know taking the time out to put this episode together and hopefully the i'm talking to like the more inexperienced listeners out there that Hopefully, some, some of you guys learned something today. I definitely learned a few things. Well, probably a lot of things that I didn't even consider, you know, talking about things from back in 77 and 78. And and hopefully, you guys picked up a few things and it hopefully has ignited a little passion in in you to sort of do your own research and, and uh, you know, wherever you're from, whether you're in the UK or the US or in Europe, inspired you to, to learn where your, your own vehicle has come from you know do you Absolutely. have any have any closing statements or advice or anything you want to say just keep it keep it going if you want to keep doing it keep it going mm. amen amen
1: you uh you got any of those crazy questions any dumb friends ask any crazy
0: questions um you know what i got a few people asking questions that aren't relative to uh the topic and also just actually questions that you've answered anyway. So good. Um let's see, we got a question from Foster TDI. You know the guy with the okay the blue uh rabbit. Yeah if given the opportunity to spec a brand new Mark One rabbit, what would you choose? Oh man, I've actually
1: thought about this. Uh it would be a white 1979, two-door, I would have red interior in it, but red velour interior
0: with tombstones.
1: It would be a factory carbureted four-speed gas motor with painted bumpers. We had chrome bumpers and we had painted bumpers for the base models. Painted bumpers, no sunroof, no knee bar, no carpeted door cards, just base, base, base model. Not even rabbit seat, just rabbit. That would be, that would be the one. No deluxe grill, just a standard grill. That would be the one.
0: Awesome. There you go. Is his name Foster or Forster?
1: No, no. Uh, so, it. His name is. I don't know. I think his name is. His name might be really Foster. I'm not sure. Foster TDI. I, he bought that rabbit, the cool Lago rabbit pickup from Poplin. I'm not sure if it's his real name or not. I would imagine it probably is. There's another guy I, I got confused with. There's a guy up in Pennsylvania, Forrest. He's also got a rabbit truck. So it's, that's why I got confused for a second there.
0: And that's not Forrest Brenner, is it?
1: Yeah. Forrest Brenner. Yeah. He's, oh, okay. he's a very, very good kid.
0: Yeah. Everyone says you've got like the cleanest rabbit going. Dude, he, I don't even know. I don't think
1: I could fucking breathe near that truck. <laughs> it's, it's the cleanest, craziest. Like I, I could wash my hands for 13 hours straight, touch that truck, and fuck it up somehow, I'm sure. <laughs> the best thing about his truck and him is that he spent all the... That truck was a ratty little piece of shit that he used to drive back and forth and have fun with. It was kind of like a little scene stir truck. And mm. he said, all right, I'm going to take it to the next level. And he worked on it for years. And everything he could do himself, he did. And at the end of it all, he built this absolute trailer queen, show truck, whatever, but he drives the piss out of it and that's what i love
0: you know what i think there's a youtube video on um and i've seen him drive the sh- yeah it definitely is cuz i'm just looking at his instagram now and i recognize the house that he parked in front of and i remember seeing him like you say rip it up and down that drive and yeah it's all- on youtube i've definitely he's- seen it now and he's got like yeah. the wind the um there's like a it's- is it perspex it's like a window in the in the bed looking at the uh is it like a gas tank for the, at the air ride stuff at the yeah air ride <sighs> well clint i want to thank you again and taking to, the time out to it. educate us who are uneducated in the history and bringing us up to speed with your life and what's going on i should also say you mentioned earlier that you have if anybody did want to get work done by yourself and pay you for your for your skills um uh, do you want me to link that below
1: yeah, absolutely. That would be great. I, I'm not on Facebook with it. I just use my personal Facebook for everything, but uh I do have like a little work profile for uh for all my metalworking and repair stuff down here in Florida. So yeah, that would be absolutely awesome.
0: Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes below. Anybody um, who is local to Florida or maybe if you're not, it doesn't matter. If you want some work done by Clint, get in touch with him. If you've got the money to spend on whatever projects you've got going uh, get in touch with him and let's uh, let's try and get something t- uh, together all right thanks clint and i'm sure i'll speak to you very soon i hope you have an amazing week ahead of you and uh, thank you again for doing this thank you i appreciate it as always and there you go guys another episode in the bank i want to take this time to thank clint for taking the time to come on the show and educate us i think it's so important that we keep this history alive i think as much as we're reviving these vehicles the trucks the cars it's great that we're reviving them and keeping them on the road but i think it's important that we keep the history alive And the heritage needs to stay alive with it. You know, one day we're going to be passing these vehicles on to our children. And I think it's important that we pass on the knowledge and the history of where they came from. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure you follow the podcast by hitting the plus button and hit the notification bell as well. You can find links to Instagrams, Facebooks, and YouTubes all in the show notes below. I really appreciate any feedback. And if you want to give the show a five star rating, that would be appreciated too. Make sure you go and give Clint a follow. All the links will be in the show notes below. Send him some love. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you got something out of it. Let me know if you want to, You want more episodes just like this. I'd really appreciate that as well. Hope you enjoy your week and I will see you guys in the next episode.